I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season two of Jessica Jones. Damask, how do you respond to allegations that your campaign is colluding with Russia? Um, oh, I didn't do it. Didn't do it? Nah, not, not true. Didn't do it? Yeah, didn't, didn't do it. Yeah, not getting fired by Trump as well this week since everybody else is? <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to get political straight away. I was just looking for... I was like, uh, right off the bat. I know, I was just looking Jeez. for something that was, you know, in the uh, what's been happening in the news recently. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Current topical? events? Topical. That's the word there I meant. <laughs> like a cream. Like the cream. I was looking for something Ex- topical. Exactly like the cream. What have you been up to, Damask? What's going on? What have I I've just been working a whole bunch, mm. actually. Boring. Boring. I'm sorry. I, d- I, d- I don't. I've been. Oh, I've been writing a comedy show. Oh, good. Yeah. So that's been something pretty fun. new. Yeah, something new. Ooh, yeah. That's what, what have you been doing? And not writing. Uh, mm. working a lot. Got away for the long weekend. Went to the beach. Ooh, it was la too la. cold for the beach. It sucked. You fool. Just feel like I'm like I'm trying to embrace the heat while it's still here. It's going to be gone inside t minus ten seconds. Apparently, we're going to get the worst winter ever recorded. What do you mean? Apparently we're just like up for like a like the coldest winter ever. A really cold, freezy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. So Man. that'd be interesting. So I'm trying. I think this weekend's gonna be warm, and like I'm just like at any moment now, it's just gonna turn cold and never turn back. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta enjoy the heat while I can. Yeah, it's Melbourne though. It'll, it'll be weird. It'll be all over the place. You'll have some nice days. Don't mm. worry. Don't fret. It's fine. Well. I mean, it's weird to complain about the weather. Melbourne's always the same. It's never going to change. But fucking hell, Melbourne. Get your shit together. I don't know. I was having a conversation with a couple of New Zealanders recently and they yeah. were like, you have nothing to complain about. Shut your mouth. I was like, okay. What, what, do, they, what do they deal they, with? It just rains all the time. That I did notice actually. over there. I was over there in a summer once and the rain literally followed us the entire <laughs> like circumnavigating um, the South Island, it just, it just, it was like one, you know, in the cartoons and a rain cloud is yeah. like over one Follows person. You. It yeah. felt like that for us. Just yeah. couldn't escape it. Anyway, in the meantime, let's get off topic. Ooh. Off topic, hot topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. All right, I got a couple of news items to go through first Ooh. and foremost. Um, we can just. We'll stay on these as long as we think we're relevant. Uh, this one comes from Katie Rife at the AV Club. The Crown, the Netflix television series. Oh, is about the pay thing? Yes. <gasps> paid Claire Foy less than Matt Smith, even though she was the queen and he wasn't. Um, so this is actually, uh, this article sort of um, has jumped off the Var- uh, Variety article, which was just reporting about things about the next season. It wasn't specifically about this, but the internet has grabbed onto it. And, mm. and this article at the AV Club is a good example. And so the, the Variety reported, um, asked about Foy, 
asked whether, sorry, Foy was paid the same as Smith, the producers acknowledged that he did make more due to his Doctor Who fame, but that they would rectify that in the future. Going forward, no one gets paid more than the Queen, said creative executor, sorry, creative director Suzanne Mackey. So, what do we think about this news? Claire Foy. Well, it, that's nice for everyone that isn't Claire Foy now yeah. that she's gone. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah, it seems a bit uh, lopsided, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is hard because he did have a, a name. Definitely. Um, so, that comes with a bit of extra cashiola. Mm-hmm. So, I understand that. But yep. also, it wasn't like it was the first... Uh, this is after the first season. That was, this, this is after... Did you see Joanna Robinson's tweet? No, Because this is almost exactly what she said. Yeah. Which I really liked. It's and she like, was like, I kind of get why he might have got paid more in the first season. But once you get to season two... And people are loving what she's doing. Exactly. And are coming there for the queen. It is called The Queen. She yeah. is The, the queen. queen. She gets mm-hmm. more screen time than anybody else in that show. That it, yeah, it's her show. It she no should longer be paid makes more. sense. Yeah, after that point, it definitely doesn't make sense. You can definitely argue before that, but season two onwards, come on. Yeah. And yeah, great that season two is going to have season three. Sorry, is going to fix things, but the entire cast is being changed over. Season What's three. What's the name of the actress who's playing the queen that we love? Olivia, uh, Olivia Coleman. Coleman. Oh, fuck, oh, man, I'm God so excited. Her. I want to. When that she's gets, incredible. When we know that's coming, we're going to have to do the queen. Yeah, because I haven't watched it. Me. Oh, it's the crown, by the way. The crown. Sorry. Sorry. So the titular, titular role. Well, not the titular role. You're right. The crown. It's the thing she wears on her head. But the titular <laughs> character wears on their head the crown. Yeah. Um, good point. The Queen was the Helen Mirren film. Yeah. yeah. Is that what it's called? The Queen? Yeah. I think I, right. I could be completely wrong here. <laughs> She's so. the Queen. It's about the Queen. And Elizabeth was the Cape Blanchett one. Yeah, yeah. I think we're right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Different Elizabeth. I think that was Elizabeth the first. Was, not of the course second. it was a different Elizabeth. <laughs> Check it. <laughs> Too many Lizzies. Um, mm. But uh, that being said, yeah, I'm really... A, when Olivia Coleman gets on, I am the biggest fan of hers. Mm. Um, Actually should, ties into one of my... Oh, does it? Excellent. <laughs> off topic, hot topics, yeah. Excellent. Looking forward to that. So, yeah, we'll definitely get onto that when that comes around. That could be this year, actually. That's exciting. All right, moving on. De- this comes from uh, Deborah Birnbaum at Variety. I believe that's how you say her last name. Um, Fox Boss on Buffy the Vampire Slayer Revival. It's something we talk about frequently. Do you hear this? No, I didn't. But, uh, th- th- so, this was... I'll, I'll read the quote from the article. Quote, I think if you look at our library, Buffy is probably the most ripe show we have for bringing back, said Fox TV Group Chair Gary Newman at the INTV conference in Jerusalem. But he acknowledged that he wouldn't get out of the building alive if he actually announced it. It's something we talk about frequently, and Joss Whedon is really one of the greatest creators we ever worked with, he said. When Joss decides it's time, we'll do it. And until Joss decides it's time, it won't happen. So what do you think about that? The idea, even, of a Buffy revival. I th- I don't... I mm, It's complicated. Well, what does... I mean, what does that look like? What does that mean? Is totally. that a continuation of the same characters mm-hmm. we know and love, played mm-hmm. by the same people we know and love? Does it mean... I mean the there's same- comics for that. They've done that. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Or does it mean the same characters we know and love, played by different people? Mm-hmm. Or does it mean just a total, like, revamp, everything is different, except, obviously, for the titular character, is named Buffy? Yeah. I don't know what it looks like, so I can't. It's hard to comment on it. I, I mean, it's very theoretical. But if the, I mean, there are no details. Nothing's been announced. Yeah. How would you like it to be? If there, are you even interested at all? First and foremost, no, I'm not. You don't want it in any form whatsoever. I, I mean, I don't think I have no desire to have it. No. That doesn't mean I'll watch it and be like, oh, I, and I won't be like, oh my god, I love this because yeah. I might be. 
Um, but I don't have any desire. I'm, I happily rewatch Buffy usually once a year. Yep. I love what's there. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that yearning for more. Is there, is there a preferred version of it for you? Do, do, would you prefer it was continue? I mean, continuation of all sorts. To- as someone who's a fan of the original series, seems like the bit I'd be most interested in just because I'm already invested in those characters. At the same time, I'm not sure it's a good idea for a number of reasons. Yeah. I don't know whether we need to go back to that group that story was told. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think I would like the same characters, same people. Do you remember there was, for a while, apparently it was fairly far along in pre-production there was going to be a Ripper TV series. It was yeah. like, oh man. So that's uh, for those Isn't who don't know. Isn't that why Giles is missing for the first bit of season six? No, I don't know. That's a good question. I thought it was meant to take place after the end of the series, but I could be wrong. Because I think he was in England working some stuff out. Yeah. I think, but I remember reading that a it's million the end years of, ago, so It's the wrong. end of season six that he's missing, isn't it? It's like the set back half. Because we have the whole start, Buffy comes back and then he's like, you're not ready for the world outside. He does that whole song and then he leaves and he comes back oh, yes, right at no, the end. Oh, yes, you're totally right. Yes, Thank you. Yeah. A little bit of a improv singing there. That was his song. I can't remember what it was called. It was, he was saying he had to leave Buffy. Anyway. No, you just had this really proud look on your face <laughs> and I wanted to cut you down, but I decided Thank not to. You. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> um, that always sounded like a fantastic idea of spin-off about Giles, like doing creepy haunted house stuff in the U- with like it was a UK BBC series mm. I think it was meant to be or something along those lines. That sounded unreal. I would have watched that in a heartbeat. I don't think I would have, but... Oh, I would have loved that. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't... What even about the idea of if it comes back, should Joss be involved? Yeah, of course. I feel like maybe if it comes back, mm. maybe he's an executive producer, but not the showrunner. Oh, yeah, sense. yeah. I don't mean he has to be in the exact same role, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think he ha- certainly has to be a part of it. Def- oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I want him definitely to be steering the ship in the right direction, but not be the head mm. creative of that one, yeah. for sure. Because he may just not have stories to tell in that universe, which is fine. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I, that's the thing. I think there probably are people who grew up with Buffy or, you know, had Buffy, maybe not grew up as a bit weird, maybe during, they, they were around as teenagers when Buffy was on, find it very important, could have really good stories to tell in that, in the, with those characters yeah. or a new version of those characters too that could still be quite relevant. Yeah. Um, I'd be up for a new cast. Yeah, I, okay. I certainly hope that the writing staff would be a bunch of really, you know, intelligent Buffy fans who understand yeah. why it was what it was. It would be it, the you would hear all the stuff you'd hear about this new Star Trek being on or any of that stuff. It's like, oh man, I love Buffy when I was growing up. That it was the best written shows. It made me want to be a writer. It'd be those people. There's mm. no, there's no way it wouldn't be. That would just be the people to be instantly attracted to it. I'm sure. I hope it's those people who can write, who have an understanding of how a Buffy episode functions. Because you can be a fan of something, but not really get how it functions and why people respond to that. True. True. I was going to say I don't think they're casting off Buffy fanfic websites. I don't think you have to worry <laughs> too much about that. Which I'm about is to say, if they are, you. I'm going to start submitting some more Buffy fanfic. It's some all more, just Buffy and more. Faith That's the scissoring. Thing. Some, yeah. more, some more was the important line there. Distinction you already have. You no just comment. need to do it more frequently. No comment. Um, we don't have to worry about that one. Still just, a th- I, I imagine the next five years will happen though. 
Uh, last bit of news. This comes from StarWars.com. John Favreau to executive produce and write live-action Star Wars series. The director of Iron Man and The Jungle Book will helm the series for Disney's new direct-to-consumer platform. Uh, Favreau is no stranger to the Star Wars galaxy, having played roles in both the Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series, and in upcoming solo, a Han Solo story. He's actually like, in those as yeah, voice right. actors. Um, Kathleen Kennedy, John brings the perfect mix of producing and writing talent combined with the fluency in the Star Wars universe. This series will allow John the chance to work with a diverse group of writers and directors to give Lucasfilm the opportunity to build a robust talent base. Um, we know nothing, absolutely nothing about the show at this stage except for that. I thought it was interesting there. The word that came up was diverse. Mm. When it says diverse, I think they're being very deliberate there because the initial reaction to this news was cool, but... Once again, more white males yeah. in these creative roles. We've just had Weiss and Benioff, who've come from TV, mm. to do a movie that's coming up. We've got Ryan Johnson, obviously. We've had J.J. Abrams. Every other director so far in Star Wars has been a white man. They've got John Favreau coming from movies to come and direct this or to executive produce this TV series. Where the fuck are the women? Where are the people of colour? They're not there. They're not there at all. And that's really frustrating. Uh-huh. But yeah, totally. That being said, take this out of that context for a second. I also love John Favreau. He makes great stuff. Well, that's the thing. Stuff. As soon as you said his name, I was like, "Ooh!" I mean, I love what he does yep. when he's really in charge of a project. I think mm-hmm. he's a great director. Mm-hmm. I really like a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's kind of worked magic multiple times. Yep. I mean, we it's can, not coincidental this day. John Favreau. Yeah, we can, can thank him for the MCU. Like he like Fuck yes. Yeah, like he really started that yep. and that's incre- like what what a feat to make Iron Man the film Iron work. Man 1 is a miracle especially if you understand its production history and I highly recommend listening to Lion Diane Rich has a new series. Listen up A-holes. Which is uh she's done this before in previous podcasts but I'm going to speak the new ones. Mm-hmm. Her particular stuff now um and i think in those they talk about as well the crazy this is basically an ad-libbed movie yeah they didn't really have a script it's in, it's crazy that that movie works yeah um and robert Downey jr is a big part of that too for why it works but absolutely is john favreau mm. um and yeah iron man 2 is not great it was also them trying to figure out how to make this whole expanded cinematic universe thing work yeah and so it's it's a bump in the road, but ultimately, yeah. it's but also let's talk about how good the Jungle Book is. The Jungle Book is, which re- was shocking to me. I was so like anti these live action recreations of old Disney cartoons. Totally. I was like, it's such a disgusting money grab. It's really insulting. And then I sat down in my lounge room. My girlfriend and I didn't have like anything to watch. I was like, oh, Brod says the Jungle Book's really good, and generally, like, I trust your opinion on things. He's like, it's he says it's good, so you know, whatever. Let's just watch it. It blew my goddamn head off. It's way it's better so than it should be. It's so good. It's so good. Are we excited for the idea of a live-action Star Wars film? They've been talking about this well before Disney Wait, got Star is Wars. Is it a film or a series? Sorry, live-action TV, seri- TV series. Yeah, I'm down. Um, I'm pretty down for that. There, I, here's my problem. Ooh, here's bro's my, got a problem. Here's my worry. Kel surprise. I love the Star Wars movies. I do. Mm. And I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. And then they went and made a bunch <laughs> of Netflix. Oh, he's been burnt. He's been burnt. And now I'm kind of like, do we want this? Do we want... Is there such a thing as too much Star Wars? And maybe there is such a thing as too much Star Wars. I don't and know. Maybe... Marvel didn't get a John Favreau. That's to, true. They didn't. To do it. 
they tried to get Drew Goddard, didn't they? And then then he left. He left. Um, He's like, no, nah, you guys are fucked. I think he just got a better offer. Yeah. Th- no, well, actually, he got pulled into Spider-Man and that never happened. Ouch, burn. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the thing that makes me excited, if I am, is John Favreau, is the idea that maybe it's just one show and not trying to make this a TV universe of Star Wars films mm. because- they don't have this existing bunch of characters. They don't have to like. There's a Boba Fett show and a uh, a Yoda show and an Obi Wan show that we're going to mix show. in later. You know, the Force Defenders. That won't happen. I hope Yoda's show is just like a talk show. Where he gives <laughs> that, advice. He's like the amazing. new Oprah. That'd be so good. Yeah, all about it. But the other thing as well is that the animated shows have actually been pretty good quality. So in the last ten years, I guess maybe even a bit longer. I'm not really sure. We've had Clone Wars. The, the Cartoon Network animated shorts, which mm. were very cool. Then they had the Clone Wars TV series, the 3D animated one, which got off to a really bumpy start. They had, Yeah, I started it, but I had to stop. I couldn't persevere. Did you see the the movie they released? No. There was So they put like three episodes together from the middle of like season one. Right. And then put them on. Lucas decided, George Lucas was like, oh yeah, this is so good. We should put this out in the cinemas. They shouldn't have. <laughs> It was awful, really yeah. bad. Mm. And then I started to watch the show and it was okay. And then it steadily built into something pretty good. It was getting to a place where the animation was good and the stories right. were quite interesting and even a little bit dark. I was pretty into that. And then I just fell off the wagon because too many things to watch. Mm. But since I keep hearing it, I would, I'd come in every now and again when an amazing episode I was told about was on and they were really good. Okay, right. Ahsoka Tano is one of the coolest characters in the Star Wars universe and needs to be. I do like her design movies. quite a lot. And then the Rebels TV show, which just ended actually, I think it was three or four seasons, and it's it just ended recently. All I keep reading about from people who watched it all the way through is it's excellent as well. Oh, cool. Okay. So I'm a. I want to go back and watch those shows properly, but b it gives me hope. That maybe Star Wars is actually really good for TV, and hopefully John Favreau can do something with I'm, that. I'm certainly interested. Is there an is there an element of the Star Wars universe you'd like to explore? Like, because originally Lucas was talking about this during the prequels, making the prequels. Like, oh, we're gonna make a TV series. It'll set be set between episodes three and four, and it'll be like the the gritty underbelly, like the crime lord slum stuff, like the the huts and those sorts of things. Does that interest you? Do you want to see that sort of thing? Do you want to see more Jedi? What do you want? I want to see more Jedi stuff. Is there an era that you want to see? Oh, I don't know enough about the I want universe. Cu- current day or between six current and seven? Current day? Like what's happening now? Right in the, now. <laughs> in that universe? Yeah, cool. Like between six and seven, I mean. More like, um, yeah, before The Force Awakens. Okay. That yeah. era to me is interesting. I want to see more about what that transition from mm. the, em- the Empire to the, to the re- what are they called? The First Order. Yeah. That sort of stuff would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it would certainly be interesting to see how Luke goes from where he is at the end of... I don't need to see like that explicitly. Maybe mention of Luke Skywalker, mm. mention of Han Solo. See the degradation of the society around him and how that's yeah, yeah, kind maybe of even in some way. Absolutely. He can be a mm. presence but not a direct one necessarily. Yeah. Possibly, though, you could even have him cameo a couple of times, like a Mark Hamill jump in there and do some things. Oh, love it. I love his voice acting. Yeah, yeah um, exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I'd certainly be happy to... I don't know. I just like, I like the idea of spending more time in that world. Yeah. And I feel like a TV, it's live action, you said, yeah. Live action yeah. TV series. I, I'm kind of down for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. Cool. I'll check it out. All right. What have you got on the uh, off topic, hot topic do- docket there? 
Damask? Oh, okay. So I'm just going to talk as I usually do about things that I've watched. I wish I could had something I could say I watched. <laughs> I've just watched Jessica Jones this week. It's a lot of time for. <laughs> you, you know, you're not committed to the TV lifestyle. That's your problem. <laughs> right. That's my problem. Okay. <laughs> no, you just need to be suffering from depression and then you'll find uh... the time. All right. So the first thing I watched was my housemate showed me this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's Build up. It's like RuPaul's Drag Race, uh-huh. you know, in the fact that it's a reality show about drag queens competing against one another. It is called Dragula, okay? Dragula. Dragula. It is genuinely terrifying. What? Like, and I, I fully understand that I am way too mainstream and vanilla to appreciate it fully. <laughs> But the outfits these ladies wear is the stuff of nightmares. It is so scary. Like the costumes they have, one, that's terrifying in and of itself. And then also, so in RuPaul, you'll have like your people who are kind of like on the lower rungs, like they didn't do very well and so they're up for elimination. And in, you know, in RuPaul's Drag Race, they do a lip sync battle. Makes sense. Now, I've only watched the first episode of the second season of Dragula, but they get the bottom three girls. To fight to the death. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what it is? They might as well have. (laughs) No, they have to like, they have metal rods like pushed through their arms, like full on like body mutilation, body mod kind of stuff. Pardon? You mean like piercing their skin? Yes. I, so don't, they, I don't can't support this show. So they do like normal rods and stuff, and then like the What's final a one is this rod joke? in your arm, <laughs> like a little thicker than like a needle, I guess, Ugh. like a big needle, and the final one is fucking huge. It's disgusting, and they, you know, they seem to persevere through it. But this show is terrifying. Wait, wait, wait what? How does that work? What? what? But what is the point of that bit? I don't know. <laughs> it's just terrifying. That's their punishment for being at the bottom yes, three. Yes, and they just have to persevere through it. Is and there an elimination that involved with this? Do they suspend yeah, them and whoever and, can't handle then, it has to... No, so they like, they just have to go through the, the rod thing and then they decide that one of them isn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do... So whenever a girl is eliminated, they kill her. And so they film a little, a very gory scene in which they kill her. And I think is this really just like a snuff film for drag queens? Like, is this a well? So their thing is that you know, as queer culture becomes more and more acceptable, um, queer culture has also at the same time kind of made itself more acceptable to heteronormative culture Uh Um, and they want to maintain and kind of celebrate the parts of queer culture that are really dark and celebrate darkness and are and just want to be on the fringes and that's who they are right so it's kind of a way to kind of show that to the masses without making it you know more acceptable to your average viewer and it it you know i shot myself and i was like oh maybe i'm a straight person because i don't belong here i do not belong it was really scary just slightly off topic based off this as well Mm -hmm. a little bit uh from left field but this was something that came up the other day my girlfriend and i were talking about this we've got a new housemate who Mm. is gay as well and she's yeah and she was saying Steph had this conversation with her about how she was frustrated that when it comes like yes, 
um, queer culture is becoming more and more mainstream, but it seems to mainly be for gay men and less for gay women when it comes to film. I think she was saying like mm. there was a there seemed to be a lot more acceptance or celebration of so something like Call Me By Your Name, right? Yeah. Or Breath Mountain or Moonlight, right? Which seems to really celebrate the idea of like gay male relationships, but you don't see the same sort of celebration of women or, or, or lesbian relationships on film. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. I mean we we had Carol, but even that yep. story was about, you know, these women, you know, having to hide and live on the fringes. And then at the end of it, spoilers for Carol, watch it, you idiot, or just <laughs> forward a minute, um, is that, you know, Carol loses everything. Oh, she right. loses her family. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. No, that's fine. It's also a book. So if you haven't read it, whatever, I don't care. Um, I've got the book on the shelf, actually. It's very good. Um, yeah, she loses her child because obviously yeah, the right. husband gets custody and all that stuff because it's, you know, the 50s, like yeah. what right does a woman have? Um, so it's, you know, pretty depressing. And I see moves away from telling those really depressing stories about queer people in general, like Call Me By Your Name doesn't have that. It's just about falling in love for the first time. Yeah, I haven't and seen that yet, actually. Yeah, it's 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 really good. So, yeah, I mean, my whole thing about queer stories is I love – queer stories Mm. and this doesn't remove the validation of other stories to tell but for me personally i love queer stories where it could be completely interchangeable with straight couples they just happen to be gay because i mean that's how i have lived my life Mm -hmm. and i know that's a privilege that i'm totally passable as a straight person but the relationships i have have had have not been complicated by gayness they've just been complicated by being people and dealing with people that's the life i live Mm. so i don't need the queerness of the relationship to be the center focus of it there kind of needs to be both i think as well i I agree i mean we need to we got got to this knowledge the history definitely totally and i don't negate that at all but me personally what you know i think it's important to see representation that you can really identify with and for me that's the representation representation that i identify with it's been interesting with um queer eye coming back Mm. and how positive the reception that has been and that's sort of still in that it's less so than it was back in the day with the original queer eye but still that whole like um celebrating and normalizing to a degree sort of queer culture yeah a little bit which is good but also you feel like yes that can exist for it's great to have that but yeah i want to see in my especially my narrative um like tv and stuff like that just queer relationships they are just normal relationships. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, Queer Eye back in the day, it was huge. Yeah. But there was an element of otherness to it. Definitely, Which yeah. isn't, yeah, attached and to I think this that, one necessarily as much. Re- I think that was representative of where we were as a society oh, totally, at the time, yeah, yeah. too. And you can thank to this, getting to this point now where it doesn't feel that, that much you otherness. you got to take steps, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Be- because of shows like Queer Eye, I think. Anyway, again, way off topic. What else have you been watching, Damas? Um, yes. Yeah, so the other thing I've been watching, which is, you know, a little tamer. Okay. Something that people might actually want to watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. You didn't, not- <laughs> sell, you didn't sell me on Dragula. I'm so. I don't much. know if you're into like the darker side of things. Like I was watching it. And I messaged my brother Josiah, and I was like, "You should watch this." He's like. As if I look like a drag reality show. I was like, no, I, I literally wanted to shit myself. I was so scared. He's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I yeah. could do one episode, I feel like, just to see. Just to see it? I, yeah. yeah. I think just check it out, people. Um, yeah, last as long as you can. That's my recommendation. 
Okay, but the the next thing I want to talk about is something that I'm really excited to talk about, Ooh, which okay. I've watched. Yep. It is a BBC show from it was first released mid 2016. It's called Fleabag. Never heard of it. I know. I know. I know. So it's written by and starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And it's about a woman in her, I want to say late 20s, maybe early 30s, navigating single life in London. Mm. But, mm. which doesn't, it sounds cliche, right? Boring, sure. whatever. It is so much more than that. It is so dark and emotionally complex. It is masterful. And it's a comedy. Whoa. Like, it's hilarious. It's extremely funny and charming. Like, I cannot recommend this show enough. It is, and I know it's only March, but it is the best thing I've watched this year. Wow. It is so fucking good. And I believe season two, because it's a British show, of course, season two is coming out. 2020? (laughs) No, 2019. (laughs) Okay. Keep in mind the first season aired in 2016. Yeah. Classic BBC. Normal four-year gap. That's (laughs) that's how these things should be done. Good old BBC. Love them. Um, It it reminds me of and whatever it was. From the the good place. That was the best joke in the entire show. It ran for 15 years. They almost had 20 episodes or whatever it was. (laughs) So funny. Um, But yeah, I cannot recommend this show enough. It is so funny. Okay, cool. But it makes you go, life's really fucked up Mm. slash beautiful. So complex. It's just amazing. It is amazing. And I have to give a shout out to Deans who has recommended this show to me for about a year. And I was just like, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. And she's like, it's only six episodes and they're like 20 minutes each. So I finally sat down and watched it. Pop that one. I feel like you've got more to say about that one. Pop it on the docket. I reckon we can get that to one one week. We're going to just do like a a week we can't like do a 13 episode. Yeah, when we're really busy. How long are episodes out of interest? I, I think they literally like 20 minutes. 20 minutes, six episodes? Like they're Pr- yeah. maybe Anytime half an want. hour. Beautiful. It's so I good. That. I love – see, this is the lesson, right? British television understands <laughs> you stay, you're welcome. You make the episodes you need to make and mm-hmm. no more. Yeah. Just the ones you can when you should, when you're ready <laughs> to make them, even if that's four years later, yeah. that's how you do it. Yes. Oh, fucking God. Yeah. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah, this I'm show excited is just because of its run length. Like, <laughs> Yeah, look, we've been traumatized enough by run length. <laughs> run time. But yeah, so e- every time, like ev- to everyone out there, please watch Fleabag. It's available on Amazon Prime. So if you can have access to that, I'm, I'm sure in the UK it's available on the BBC website, but in Australia it's on Amazon Prime. Cool. I assume that's the same for America as well. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? No, that's it from me. All right, let's get into our spoiler free review of Jessica Jones Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Jessica Jones Season 2 sends us back to Alias Investigations, where our titular hero is getting back to her PI roots after defeating her longtime tormentor, the Purple Man, and teaming up with a bunch of other superpowered people to save the world from magical ninjas. Things are never simple for long, and before she can say, pour me another one, she's on the case of a monster murdering powered people like herself. Attempting to fill in David Tennant's considerably large shoes this season are newcomers J.R. Ramirez, Leah Gibson, Callum Keith Renee, and Janet McTeer. Season 2 consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 52 minutes, and took us approximately 11 hours and 10 minutes 
to watch. Before we start, yeah, what you just no, I just watched how your, long was. your face fall as you said the time <laughs> it took. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> terrible. Um, before we get into the review part, I did just want to mention, um, just go go back over our history with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you're just jumping into hunting seasons. The, sorry, I should say the Marvel Netflix um, universe. Bef- if you're just joining Hunting Seasons now or recently, you don't know that we've watched every single fucking one of these shows. Oh, we've seen some shit. We've seen some shit. Mm. So we've seen Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Daredevil, Season 1 and 2, Iron Fist, The Defenders, and then The Punisher Show. And we've reviewed them all. And overall, we're decidedly meh on the thing. <laughs> I think we yeah. decided we were feeling pretty positive early on. And then at least with Daredevil and Jessica Jones... And then things have gotten worse over time for us. Punisher was okay. It was a slight uptick, I think, mm. from where we were. Um, yeah. I mean, but, I was never a huge fan of Daredevil, but Jessica Jones was my jam. But that was the point I wanted to make as well. Mm. Of all of the shows, Jessica Jones, we've been most positive. I was a little less high on it than you were. Because you're misogynistic, yeah. Yeah, because I hate women. <laughs> but the but for you, it was you loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw the flaws, but I just loved it as a viewer, so, not as a critic. Okay. With that in mind, <laughs> how do you feel about Jessica Jones season two, Damask? Okay. So I've been, over the last, I think, two days, I've been playing a little bit of a prank on Brock. I, I hoped it was a prank. <laughs> I mean, not entirely, but I have been using a bit of hyperbole to state how I felt about Jessica Jones season two, um, telling him that I, you know, loved it and was, you know, look like looking forward to battling him in in my love for it because I know that he was not having a it good certainly time. Certainly would have made would make great uh, <laughs> podcasting. And I think okay, well here's the thing. Okay, is that I loved season one of Jessica Jones absolutely. Season two of Jessica Jones is nowhere near as good. Nowhere near as good. And I know that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. However. Fucking hell. <laughs> I feel such a sense of loyalty to the character of Jessica Jones. If you feel loyalty to Jessica Jones, you should be fucking disappointed <laughs> with what they've done to her. No, I am. Of course oh, I okay, am. Good. Oh, yeah. No, I am. But so that loyalty has allowed me to forgive a lot as a viewer, as a viewer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm being really tentative with my words because I can see Brod like priming himself to pounce. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you're not going to cat, you know, they sort of wiggle him up. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. Yep. Um, So I'm able to forgive a lot. But I skirted over a lot of what was and most certainly wasn't happening for the majority of the season and then I got to a point where things were happening and I was happy with where it ended so my then my reflections on what had happened previously are a lot kinder a lot kinder than I know yours will be I mean I have a feeling you didn't like anything but that's fine I'm ready for your opinion now, go. I, I was... Uh, okay. I was 
I was baited a little bit by uh, Stephen Jeffries, the uh, one of our listeners. Yes. Yeah, dedicated listeners. Thank you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. For Love you, Stephen. He sort of baited me, baited us a little bit with a tweet saying, yeah, don't, I'm halfway through. Don't think this is going to be the one that's going to redeem the Marvel Netflix series for you. And I jumped on that and was like, yeah. Um, don't think no, so. No, me specifically because I love Jessica Jones and I, I was in our previous podcast, I was like, oh, you know, maybe this will be the one that will keep us oh, watching certainly. and critiquing. Certainly. Yeah. But yeah, the the energy was put out there mm. earlier this week that <laughs> we, we were going to be disappointed with this series. And mm. I certainly, I definitely personally agreed with I that I had sentiment. already watched like eight episodes right. at that point. I was, yeah. a, I was a four or five episodes in at that stage. I don't I don't want to douse your flame on this at all, right? I think it's great if you enjoyed it and this is the same for you listeners. If you enjoyed it, please take anything I'm about to say with a grain of salt or can feel free to dismiss it completely. And I do want to say that I do think there are some good things in this season. It is not with mm. completely without merit and later on especially in spoilers. Can I just like reassure you that I most of my notes uh, quite severe critiques. Okay, sure. Okay, so okay. I'm coming at this very differently. As a critic, I see the flaws. Uh-huh. I do. But as a viewer, after I'd watched the whole thing, I was like, okay, okay. I, I, I think I agree with you that mm. the there is a moment, especially in the last episode, that I went, credit, mm. and this is actually in my notes, credit where credit is due, that was a cool, a cool move, mm. a very cool move. Surprisingly well executed because so little is well executed in this show. Yeah. And I was like, that was bold and brave. And it sucks it took an entire 13 episode, 11 hour season to get to that moment. Because that moment is going, could potentially drive some really interesting stuff in season three. But I'm not going to be there to to see it. I will be. Uh, Okay. I'll I'll mention, I'll talk about it in my. Off topic, hot topics next year or whenever okay, it comes okay, out. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> I've got I've got some notes here, some things to go through before we get to spoilers. Um, first of all, oh, also that wasn't my spoiler free review, by the way. That was just me off the cuff. Oh, that was but, it. Well, do you want to give your review? No, there? no, no. Okay. I want to hear yours, all and right. then we'll go back to me. First of all, I think it's uh, it's fair to say that the problems we've had with other Netflix shows, other sorry Marvel Netflix shows. The monster of Netflix that has consumed mm. things like Luke Cage and Iron Fist and The Punisher has it was resisted well in season one, Jessica Jones for the most part, but it's consumed it this season. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. the monster one. There is some, as I said, there's some merit. There's some good concepts in here. There's some interesting themes. Mm-hmm. There is some meat to bite into. But on execution level, <laughs> this show fails so miserably. Yeah. I was... I I got to a point, like, I was enjoying elements of it. And then, then there's a moment. And it's like something snapped inside me. And I wrote at the time, it's like I'm rejecting an organ or something. It broke all of a sudden, broad. It broke me. And, every, <laughs> and all I could do was nitpick the show at that point, which happens to me when I get really negative on something. Yeah, like, me dead too. like me. All of a sudden, every little flaw sticks out like... Everything is bothersome. You're Everything. Like, no, no. And, yeah. and, I, and I'm just sitting there just shaking my head and yeah. pointing at that and trying. like, yeah. And that's where I got to with this series and that's a mm. bad place to be. Um, so, once again, obviously, there's too many episodes um, that in themselves are too long um, and they don't have as much story 
as they think they do to fill out that 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 episode. I don't count. even think they do. I think anyway. Go on. They, go you don't think they think they do? No, I don't think so, they do. Because an example of this is, and this isn't a spoiler, I don't think, but there's, an, there's a um, pick a theme. There's a section. Yeah. <laughs> there's a section where an episode that starts and one ends, and Jess is being taken to jail, and she's in jail for twenty minutes, and it is completely. It's just there as a stalling tactic. She's yeah. just there for twenty minutes to to fill up twenty minutes. It does nothing to to further the plot in any way. I think she maybe she meets a couple of cops for the first time in that scene. You don't need to put her in jail for twenty minutes for that to happen. And mm. it's complete. That's an example of what this show does to stall to fill out certain episodes, and it's just wrong. And I won't go on about it because we've talked about it extensively in other Netflix things anyway. Um, there's a particular side plot that is so disconnected from the rest of the show that I just cannot figure out what it's doing in this at all. It belongs... I don't think it's necessarily a terrible subplot. I think there's some good acting in that at the very least. But why the fuck it's in this season of Mm. this show, I have no idea. It's a character that was in the first season that, yeah, they're semi-important. I suppose that they... Like... uh, they had a lot of screen time in the first season. They didn't need that much season screen time in the first season, and they certainly don't need it this time. <laughs> and you could take out that subplot, and you would be you would take off two episodes of this show at least, and you'd be down to eleven at least, right? Mm-hmm. Oh boy, um, <laughs> the loss of David Tennant as Kilgrave you is, feel it. is immense, mm. and like he was such a fantastic villain in season one. Mm-hmm. That and not Still just best Marvel villain to me today. I, I well, possibly. I think Kilgrave is not Kilgrave. Killmonger in Black Panther oh, is yeah, pretty great. That. Okay, yeah, he is pretty excellent. But one of the advantages that David Tennant got is that because he had a whole the, 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 the not to do a Black Panther review here, but the biggest criticism that you or the biggest problem with Killmonger in that movie is just that it, he only has a movie to be in it, mm. right? I think that's why like. It helps me to love Loki as well because we get so much more time with him because yeah, he's a recurring villain. Totally. Yeah. And so with Kilgrave, he had the entire season and the season was too long. And also long. his power is fucking terrifying. His power is excellent. Oh, his, oh, the performance was great from David Tennant. The writing was mostly good for that for that character as mm-hmm. well. And because we had to spend time with him and really explore him, he, is, he elevates the show and he is fantastic. And yeah. he's inside the MCU, easily one of the best villains. So... This show needed another great villain. It does not get one. No. It does not compare on any level. I think there there are, again, some interesting ideas there. I kind of see what they're going for, even if they're a little bit basic, rote, and done to death. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an understatement. But beyond that, not just... But if you take that away even, it's just so poorly executed that mm-hmm. the villain is, is not interesting. Just not interesting. Yep. Um, the writing is fucking awful. The most of the time, most of the time, the writing in this show is at best average and never gets above that. I've put a ratio, I reckon, of That's bad to me. good or That's even okay. That's not me. That's not me. Plus five more lines of that. Yeah. Yes. On repeat to end an episode. Yeah. Five to one of bad to okay, I reckon. Okay. It's. I've got a list of lines that I'm looking forward to going through. Love it. And then plot points because it's not just dialogue. It's how you write a screenplay, right? Mm -hmm. Of things that you just go, how did any professional writer think that was an acceptable way to get this done? (sighs) (laughs) There is, I talked earlier about that rejected organ Mm. feeling I had. There is an episode 
that is so, so bad, and I cannot wait to rag on it for how bad it is, that it made episode seven of Stranger Things season two look like Ozymandias from Breaking Bad. Like, it is the worst episode of any Marvel Netflix show. That's include- impossible. Nope. That is, is impossible. It, that is, you nope. are being so hyperbolic. Nope, I'm not. I've about thought about that. this. I've thought about the this. I, I'm it sorry, is worse I'm than I think it's worse. So much fucking worse. The You're I'm being pissed. absurd. I'm You're being absurd. Was You're being absurd. You're being absurd, bro. Nope. Episode there is this episode is is awful. And not only you that, need to go and rewatch Iron Fist. The show the show <sighs> knows it because it doesn't even reference it forgets it ever existed later on anyway. It is I cannot wait to tell you about talk about how bad it is. And the only other point I wanted to make you is- You've blacked out on Iron Fist. You really have. Maybe. Because it's just, that's not true. <clears throat> that's not true at all. It is so bad, this episode, Damascus. I'm not saying it's a good episode, but compared to Iron Fist- It is, like, at the very least, it would oh, fit like, in Iron you, Fist. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, it that's, could have been an Iron Fist episode see, at the very least. that's the thing. Least. Okay, I but accept it, but it's that. So much more and that's very insulting, and I accept it. But it's, but it's not worse than Iron Fist. But the thing is, it's it's I get a worse reaction to it, because at least Iron Fist was bad from the beginning, and it was consistently <laughs> bad. This is a show that was had Comparatively, I get peaks. it. I get it. it. We saw how good- And even in this season, there is- one episode at least, and I'm like, that was a good episode of television. Like, I liked, I was surprised how much I liked that episode. <laughs> oh, um, and then, well, it's been so disappointing. But this one episode is just like, oh, just how do you- fucking the corpse at this point. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm so, so disappointed. And I'm and, and with this, I'm out. I'm officially, mm-hmm. I've said before, but no, I cannot return. Okay. I have no reason to ever return to the Marvel Netflix experiment, and especially not Jessica Jones, because- Fuck you. Wow. That's how I feel. I'm out. I'm out. It's because she's a woman. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Damask, you may take the Holy floor. Holy <laughs> shit. I mean, that's You're a waiting lot. waiting to unload. Hi, listeners. Come back for a second. <laughs> come back. Turn your volume back up. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my God. All right. So, I'm going to come from a very different place. <laughs> Less angry. Um, okay. So, I was reading an AV Club recap of Jessica Jones. Yeah. By oh, do Car- you love AV Club? Yeah, I me. Mean, everyone does. Um, by Caroline Seed, Seedy maybe. No, that can't be Seedy. Caroline Seedy. Seedy. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, that said, you can't come to the Marvel Netflix shows for plot, which made me laugh a lot. Oh, I'm sorry, I have such high expectations. <laughs> no, wasn't that funny? Um, but instead, it's best to come to them with a desire for character and theme. And I think that's why I'm able to overlook and forgive a lot, a lot of the shortcomings with this season because of those characters and sometimes for the theme. So that was a bit of a mismark this season. And oftentimes with these shows, I haven't been able to forgive the glacial, glacial pace or sometimes a barely their plot because they lack characters to connect to and solid exploration of complex themes. Now, the themes this season are very murky, but one thing I'm glad for is that I find the character of Jessica Jones endlessly watchable. I like, I really do when I get your frustrations, but I am astounded by the wonderful work that Kristen Ritter brings to the table. She is incredible, and I know she won't because of the show she's in and the quality of the work that she has to perform. Mm. But God, she deserves a lot of recognition 
for the performance she brings. Yes, Brett. Sorry, I, I love I, that he raised his hand. I, I, so don't, nice. I don't really want to because I don't want to interrupt this because I, I really want you to do it. But I actually I want to just say that I agree with you on that. Actually, yeah. I think that Kristen Ritter does her damnedest yes. to make Jessica work as a character, mm-hmm. and there is some performative moments in this in particular. I'm like. Yeah, she's bringing it, and I'm really happy that she's got that role yeah. because she does. She has a really good job with it, and and I I read something the other day, or it was like a headline or something. So don't quote me on this, but I think it was something on the lines that of Kristen Ritter talking about how much she she wasn't. I think actually what she was saying, interestingly enough, and I was going to bring this up in um off topic, hot topic, but I forgot to that she was saying Defender season two is probably not going to happen. Yeah, that's I saw that's probably not a well. thing. Mm. Which great, fine by me. <laughs> They could separate all these shows. You wouldn't watch it even if there was. Exactly. But what she said is that it doesn't really bother her. She just cares for the character. And I truly believe that. Me too. I truly think she has thought about the character a lot. She's put Mm -hmm. in a lot of work behind it and she brings her A-game to it. The frustration comes from everything around what she's doing, working actively against her. Continue. Fair, fair. Um, Yeah, so I I think she's a gift and I think everyone needs to appreciate her. And it's nice to hear that you do, bro. That's no, no, lovely. I agree with that. Um, so Jessica Jones' relationship with Trish is something that I find both heartwarming and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I know there are issues with that this season. I know that. I get it. <laughs> but Jessica Jones's loneliness to me is palpable. And towards the end of the season, her repressed heartache is hard to watch until it gets to that point where it just comes spilling out and it just draws you in. And while, you know, we do, which I love, I love, I, I loved the ending of this season. I really did. For mostly, I'll be honest, mostly because of Kristen Ritter's performance, but I just, I, yeah, it, it affected me. It did. And we do continue to look at the repercussions of trauma and the isolation that occurs through that and how that affects your relationships and how oftentimes it seems tends to lead to addiction and which also adds to the isolation of many of our main characters. Like there are themes in there that I find really interesting and cool, but <laughs> does Jessica Jones the show always get there? Absolutely. Like absolutely not. Are there pitfalls to this season? Absolutely. And I am, as as you are, of course, extremely disappointed that Marvel Netflix continues to have serious pacing issues and every review under the sun acknowledges this. Like It's, it's, it's a known quantity. No one's hiding anymore. Everyone like, accepts that they have fucked up. Like with how they my make these things. Disappointment with that is serious. Like mm. I just it's it's oh, it's so disappointing. And I am frustrated that so like for much of this season, our antagonist is either a mystery and we have no insight into their goal, and therefore the tension there with Jessica Jones isn't really there. There's no personal element to it, or we know who they are and we have endless repetitive boring conversations about Mm. that goal Mm -hmm. and it saddens me that it takes so long before there is any really meaty stuff for us to chew on it's the last episode it is the last episode very true but when we get there i am invested Mm -hmm. and that is due to 
the work they did in season one for the character of Jessica Jones, the whole team that did that, mm-hmm. and also Kristen Ritter's work that she has done and brought in season two herself. And, yeah, like I, I give my investment in that final bit of this season to her mm. for, for taking me there. And she does some serious heavy lifting, but she does it effortlessly in my opinion. And, you know, by the end of the season, I feel beaten down and broken. I felt how Jessica did. Like, I, like I'm there with her. But, yeah, I get it. This, this season is totally flawed, but I will be there for season three. Um, a quick side note, just something that was worth mentioning as well. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think every episode is directed by a female director this season so, yeah. as well. I think it's, I'm not sure about writing, but I'm pretty sure it's the directing, which is cool. I love the, that especially this show in, in particular, they would make an effort to get female voices yeah. behind this thing. That's really cool. Um, going back to the pacing thing though, I just, I, I, Said I wouldn't bring it up again, but I'm going to play. <laughs> the, pro- the problem for me is I just can't figure out what the point of it is, right? I can't figure out why, especially the Netflix model, why they feel so beholden to this 13-episode, hour-long know. episode format when it, p- critics have been saying forever that this is a huge issue. It's obvious that pacing is a problem. Mm-hmm. And Netflix would save money by making less episodes and they don't need to have more episodes. They release three of these fucking series a year with different different characters, and the episode count. It does. It's not. It's again. This isn't like it's being advertised. Um, it's on television with ads associated with it, where you know the more episodes you have, the more potential for getting eyes on it, and therefore more potential mm. for selling ad space. They don't have ad space. Just make the shows the length that they deserve to be. Don't force them out to thirteen episodes. Yeah. Netflix, stop it. Please. As Please. a writer, every there should be a clear and understood purpose of every scene. Yes. Every scene should be precious to a writer. <clears throat> that is not how the scripts of Jessica Jones or any of these Marvel Netflix series have been written. There is so much extra shit in there yeah. they, that... Like if you could feel every theme, they might have had a central theme at the beginning and they have just had to stretch it, all of them out or one of them out that it is just become so confused mm. and frayed that you're like, I think I get a glimmer of that point. I think I get a glimmer of that theme. Yeah. I think that might be our main narrative structure, but you don't know because it is so stretched thin. Mm that they feel they need to add all this extra stuff. And it's such a shame yeah. that they f- they have been given this, I don't know, criteria that they need 13 episodes that are practically an hour long each. It's untenable. I don't know what they're doing or why they're doing it. And it's incredibly frustrating to have to sit through. Especially since there's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh season <laughs> of one of these things that we've watched. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I am disheartened that they continue to make the same mistakes. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I was going through our, I was sort of backtracking through the shows that we've watched Mm. and just Netflix in general. And I feel like, I think I give a lot of praise to Netflix a lot of the time. Like I, I, I I watch it all the time, Mm. shows that aren't theirs necessarily and stuff. 
the more I think about, apart from Stranger Things season one, I'm not sure there's anything that Netflix have made that I think is really great. Yeah, I mean, I loved season one of Orange is the New Black. Oh, Orange is the New Black. That's a good point. I yeah, loved that. There's some good seasons of Orange is the New Black. That's Glow true. Glow. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. It's really good. Glow is great. Glow is fantastic, actually. Okay, yeah. I'll take that back. I step back from that. Netflix are making good stuff. But I, I, just, I guess it's a shotgun approach, Unfortunately, we have made though. ourselves watch things that Possibly. aren't great. <clears throat> yeah. You could be right. Um. I'm ready to get into spoilers. How about you? Yeah, me too. Totally. Okay. Oh, do we give our rating yeah, now? Yeah, before we yeah. do that, let's do that. Let's give a score out of five. What are you going to give it, Damask? I actually had to message you earlier today because I was like, I don't know what score I'm going to give it. Can you give me another clarification as so, to like what our scoring means? Uh, according to the Easy Allies score school of star ratings, not that they even use this anymore. They cha- The day I decide to adopt it, they changed it. <laughs> Um, five stars is masterful, four stars is excellent, three stars is decent, two stars is inferior, and one star is terrible. And obviously the in-between values are you know, somewhere in between. Yeah, I think I am going to give it... I'm going to give it two and a half. That's okay, fair enough. Yeah. Somewhere between it, like, it's inferior my, and decent. Yeah, because my, it's my... Critic side and my just pure viewer side kind of like trying Clashing. to meet in the middle. Sure. And I think two and a half is fair. Because while I certainly, I wasn't actively being like, oh, I don't want to sit through this. But I wanted so much more. But the critic in me saw like the huge flaws. In it. I'm going to go with two and a half. Yep. I'm th- happy with that. I think that's that's good. Um, so for context, <laughs> I gave the Defenders two mm-hmm. and I gave Iron Fist one. Yeah. And I'm going to give this a 1.5. Okay. It's not It's not overall as bad as Iron Fist. Iron Fist has got nothing redeemable about it at all, right? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. This awful. has got better than that. And I kind of feel bad for giving it less than Defenders because the Defenders is trash and there's very little in that. That's. Mm-hmm. But you know what that did have? An eight episode count yeah. instead of 13. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I don't know. The, the thing was as well, the more... I, I was originally going to give it a two, so give it the same. And then I was starting to go over my notes, prepare, and I would just feel all of the those anger. emotions <laughs> coming back up. I'm like, I cannot, I cannot give it just an inferior. This is somewhere between terrible and inferior. It's mm. the 1.5 for me. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I'm sad. Aww. Should our listeners go watch the show before listening to the spoiler section? Or should they just keep listening on without fear of being spoiled and go back to the show later if they want to? I think if, you, if you've if you gone with us on this journey and you've already watched them all, sure. Or if you just love Jessica Jones, sure. But if you're not interested in it, no, of course not. I think this is going to be a very entertaining spoiler section. And if you're not interested in watching the show or not worried about spoilers, keep listening on. I think mm. it's going to be a good one to listen to. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're now entering the spoiler zone. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of Jessica Jones and potentially all previous seasons of the Defenders Marvel slash Netflix series. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Jessica Jones up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. Jessica Jones is living her best life taking photos of dudes fingering girls in alleyways. She has the help of Malcolm these days. He's busy googling things and painting shelves. And Trish is desperately unsatisfied by her radio gig, so she got herself a sexy journalist boyfriend and an unquenchable desire to investigate IGH. But Jessica is not interested. She's just enjoying a very typical life when a guy named Price barges in, starts peeing on her stuff while postulating that it all belongs to him now. Jessica is a little PO'd by this guy's arrogance and tells him that she is not interested in being owned by anyone. Jerry Hogarth is of course behind all of this and she's drawn into it further when Jessica beats the shit out of the cocky son of a bitch and he goes crying back to mummy for help. Jessica is a little upset at herself for losing her temper. I don't get it personally, I would have broken his legs in a way that would leave him walking funny for the rest of his life. He deserved it. She's drinking her morning whiskey when Wizza rocks up. He thinks someone from IGH is after him since he's a superhuman as well. Jessica laughs in his face until a whole building falls on him and she thinks that looks a little suspicious. So she starts doing her investigating thing. She finds the doctor that was prescribing Wither some sweet drugs, but he's dead too. Ooh. Trish starts investigating the hospital that Jess was being held at before and after her little IGH vacation. She needs some records, and luckily, the sexual predator producer she knows is totally a big donor to that exact hospital. Wow! That is so helpful. Except it isn't because he is gross and only likes to fuck 15-year-olds and adult patsy isn't worth much to him. Luckily, though, she bumps into Simpson on the street. Oh, don't you hate it when you're investigating a shady organisation that does illegal scientific experiments on people and it leads you to bump into your ex? (laughs) Me too. Jessica hunts down Trish's location and the trio are reunited. Yes, Jess, Trish, Simpson. Oh, dynamic. That is for all of two seconds, though. It's enough time for him to tell them that a monster is killing people. He gives Trish an asthma inhaler and gets his head ripped off. Thank God we don't have to deal with him anymore. Good choice, writers. You deserve all the kudos for that. Hogarth is diagnosed with ALS, so she goes on a fantastic binge that I wish I was invited to, but I wasn't, that's fine. Moving on, Jones is lurking around the old IGH building when she discovers the name of Leslie Hansen. Her and Trish join forces and find the woman's apartment. Leslie Hansen is nowhere to be found, but they do discover a human head in the furnace. Gross. 
Trish does a call out on her radio show for any information about the elusive doctor when finally she gets a call from a woman claiming to be her. They organise a meet-up, but Jessica takes her place since, you know, she actually has some real skills when it comes to fighting off danger, Trish. The woman turns out to not be Leslie Hansen and is in fact insane and probably our killer. Boom, boom, boom. Now, I want us all to pause at this point and reflect on all that's happened. Really, think back, cement those memories in your mind. It will be very, very important later. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It won't matter at all. Everything we've seen for the last, I don't know, five or six episodes is completely meaningless. That's fine. I didn't need those five hours anyway. Jessica and Trish go back to visit the guy that loves some statutory rape so they can get the hospital info they need. They find the name of a nurse who they then hunt down. The nurse is homeless and scared, so they shack her up with Hogarth. Price is super upset that Jessica beat him up, so he sends one of his associates to go and steal her shit. But then the psycho killer comes along and rips that man from limb to limb. Price just can't get a break. But also, maybe you don't break into people's apartments, you jerk. Jessica is arrested for the crime, seeing as she's the only superhero in the neighbourhood. I think Trisha's superpower is her intelligence because she does a really wise thing and pushes a cop. Good job, Trish. You're not a moron at all. Trish gets out of prison, though, and starts huffing on super soldier paint fumes. Imbued by her strength, she turns down her boyfriend Griffin when he proposes. Turns out she doesn't want him, she wants to be inside him. I mean, she wants to be him. Jessica decides to be honest with the cops about everything she's uncovered, and they let her go. She heads over to Hogarth's place to have a chat with the nurse, who tells her about a patient accused of a murder that the mysterious killer committed. She has a talk to the fella, and apparently the evil scientist has a Jones for octopussies. So our heroine heads to the aquarium to check him out. She spots him, macking on with the killer, and a chase ensues. Meanwhile, the nurse Inez and the devilish lawyer are giving each other goo-goo eyes when Inez tells her that an IGH patient might be able to cure her ALS. Hogarth buys what she's selling and does some lawyer magic to get him out of prison. Jessica finds the house that the scientist and the killer are hanging out in, but BAM! She gets knocked out and wakes up chained to a bed. She finds out that the scientist is a guy trying to do good. And she also finds out that the killer is her mum. Turns out that after the accident, Jessica wasn't the only Joan sent off to heal and gets super strong. Unfortunately for mama, her power came with a couple of anger problems. Trish is trawling the streets for some strange when she comes across Malcolm being beaten up by some homophobes. She goes all Harvey Milk on their ass and gives them the one-two punch of gay rights. She then gives Malcolm some drugs, which is great for a drug addict. Once again, Trish is making very, very good choices. Jessica's had enough of traipsing down memory lane and calls the cops. The scientist runs, but Alyssa decides to stay with Jessica. They go back to her place and hang out for a bit. Then Price shoots at two super strong women because he's another character in this show that makes smart choices. Alyssa freaks the fuck out because, duh, and Jessica and her mum are left to deal with a passed out dude in the bath. 
Then a guy named Oscar who is Jessica's love interest and is totally obsessed with his kid, gross, asks for the lady's help. His ex has kidnapped his son. They head down to the bus station and save the day and Alyssa is high on altruism. But Jessica knows she's dangerous and calls the cops. Alyssa gets arrested. Poor Mama Jones gets bullied by a guard and tells Jessica. And then our hero wants to check out this seedy guard, but whoops, she has to kill him in self-defense. Then she has to clean up after the crime and make it look like a suicide. Poor Jessica is shook. Trish, meanwhile, is out of super juice and needs some more. With the help of Malcolm, she manages to kidnap the scientist and forces him to perform a procedure on her so she can be strong all the time. It doesn't go great. I mean, you know surgery isn't going well when the patient starts spitting litres of blood out of their mouth. Anyway, Jessica finds him and is pierced. She almost kills the scientist but manages to stop herself. Malou then kills himself. I mean, did he think for a second that maybe his homicidal wife might see that and lose her shit? Oh well, I guess not. But she does and she breaks out of prison and heads straight to the hospital where Trish is. She tries to kill her daughter's adoptive sister, but Jessica manages to talk her down. Perfect timing for some cops to barge in. Alyssa sees only one way out and jumps out of the building, taking one of the detectives with her. Uh-oh. Jessica meets up with her mum to try and take her back to prison, but Alyssa is too strong and kidnaps her. Road trip! That's right, our ladies are travelling the countryside together trying to make it to the border. As they travel, they save a family from a car crash, and Alyssa realises that she will always be a burden to Jessica and is a surefire way down a path of destruction. So, instead of heading to Canada, they stop off at a fairground to ride the Ferris wheel and reminisce. Jessica is sad that her mama is going to have to leave her again. And then... Blammo! Mama gets shot in the head. Jessica looks down. And what does she say? What does she say? (gasps) She sees Trish. She loses it. She knows that it could just take a moment to kill her sister. The woman who killed her mother. So she tells Trish to run. The cops come. It's all over. But Jessica is forever changed. The end. Oh, actually, no. Also, Hogarth discovers she's been scammed and convinces Inez to kill the healer, who is actually her boyfriend. It is fucked, but also really badass. Respect Hogarth. Well done. Deep Dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff, too. Thank you very much, Damask. That was uh, extremely entertaining, that one. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Uh, Where to start? I'm going to let you start on this one. What do you want to talk about? Okay, so... The theme of, am I a murderer? Am I a monster? That kind of is throughout the season. Sure. I have a problem with it. Oh, yeah, go on. Now, the problem raised by killing Kilgrave is not whether Jessica has the possibility to become a killer or Mm. a monster in the way her mum is or Kilgrave was. It, if you are going to bring that up, it should always have been about how people see her and how that affects her. And they kind of tease that a little bit at the beginning with, you know, 
that that woman who asked her to follow her cheating boyfriend and she's like, oh, you're a killer, mm. you know, the purple man, all that stuff. But they meander between those two things and it's it's not narratively cohesive, it's confused and it is not believable. Like we as the audience understand that it was not only self-defense but Jessica was protecting Trish she was protecting a bunch of other the people world. the world he was in he was the, the problem with the with Kilgrave was that he was like invincible he was so powerful it's mm-hmm. ridiculous there was literally no other choice they they tried and, a million different things mm-hmm. and none of them were working and it was the, the it was literally the only thing she could have done yeah I mean, just this whole discussion around I've, you know, I've killed someone before, therefore there is a part of me that's bad. It rings false when it comes to Jessica Jones and it is incredibly cliche and Mm. I don't believe they have anything new to say on the subject Mm. and I hate it. How do you feel about the bit um, sort of in the second half of the season where she kills the cop that was guarding her mom in self-defense, like whacks him with the the thing and like kills him instantly? I like that discussion in not so much of like, I'm a bad person, I'm a murderer. It's, you know, I have to control myself, my temper. It is... When you allow people, because of this loyalty you feel to them, into your life who are a negative impact, you get yourself into these situations that normally you wouldn't be in. Mm. That's more of an interesting discussion to me than, oh, maybe there's something innate in me or maybe like I am because of science or because of a familial bond that i am or kilgrave's influence or kilgrave's influence i there is a bad part of me Mm. that's that's for me not what's happening that's also even if that's what they're trying to do is not an interesting discussion to me the interesting discussion in that aspect is aligning yourself with people because of a familial bond whether or not it's productive or destructive Mm. is really dangerous because the other side of it as well is that jessica is told time and time and time again the only way to deal with her mum is to kill her basically Mm. like if she isn't sent to the raft she's not going to do that or whatever the circumstances are basically the only solution is going to be killing her yeah and that's interesting because obviously that's the solution she came to with kilgrave and that's the one she took with him so the only thing that's really stopping her this time around from doing the same thing is Two things, A, that she's her mum, mm-hmm. and B, that this sense of I shouldn't be killing people. If I keep killing people, I'm a killer, and that that's a, a bad thing. Mm. So she spends pretty much the entire season trying to do everything that is not killing her mum, and in doing so, a lot of people get hurt, <laughs> a lot yeah. of people get killed. Yeah. Um, yeah, by trying to show some sense of loyalty to this lost mum. And again, and complicated by the idea that this is a mum that she didn't realise she... Still had that she mm. she lost an early age. She had this huge attachment to still, and had come back into her life, and she wanted to hold on to that because she felt like she was missing it. Um, so that's interesting when you get to the end when Trish kills her, and then the cops think that Jess did. Jess accepts that because uh, she's protecting Trish theoretically. Does that does any of that work for you thematically? 
Can you repeat that again? Well, it depends. Like, it, it, it's not. There's not anything specific there. That's the problem, right? It's it's a lot of. I think that's kind of what I was hoping. Mm. What I'm trying to say is, it's, it's a lot of different ideas, and none of them are particularly well articulated or clear. And what's even more frustrating is it happens over 13 episodes. So you had the time to articulate all this stuff, well, or to, or to reach a point, or have something to say. It doesn't feel like they do. That's part of the problem. Is you know, as we mentioned in the spoiler-free section, is as a writer, as a creative, if you make every moment count, then we have that cohesiveness, that really strong yeah. narrative structure. We have those themes that everyone can track throughout the narrative. We should be taken on a journey. Yes. There's a there an arc, one might call it, and yeah. it doesn't feel like we are. We just are like... We're taking yeah. diversions here mm-hmm, and there and mm-hmm. exploring every possible yeah. outcome, but never working towards a goal or a point, it doesn't feel like. Yes. Whereas that, for me, it certainly wasn't the case in season one. But here, I feel like they have so many narrative and diversions. thematic threads yeah. that it gets very confused quite quickly Yep. to the point that we then reach maybe the final three episodes mm. and you can kind of say like, oh, if this is where you were going. Why did you get there? Why like why didn't you get there? Why am I only kind of seeing what you were doing in the last episode? But even then, like I see the end point. I don't see the work up to it, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And also this should have been five maximum eight episodes of yeah, content totally and i understand why you have so many different narrative and thematic threads because you need to fill it out yep and like whoever is in charge needs to be like oh no we don't we don't have the the content for that you need to like we can only do eight episodes we can only do five episodes it, it's a, it could be a movie it could be a movie and have just as much impact. It could have been yeah. a two-hour TV special movie about Jess, Jess's long-lost mum and had absolutely as much, not just impact, but and being a million times clearer and more concise yeah. and a better, better story. I think like we need to stop thinking about these shows like episodes. Let's just simply think about them as hours. Like... Think of a great film, like a great Marvel film you love. How much we experience the journey we go on in two hours. Absolutely. Think of the story, the parts of this story in this season that you really loved. And I think everyone, and while you might not have any that you love, but I'm talking to like people out there who might have loved Mm. something. I truly believe what you loved could have been told in two hours, in three hours, in four hours. Yep. What the fuck is going on? Well, I mean, the example I'm going to use, and you haven't seen this yet, but go and see Black Panther. Black Panther is not a perfect movie, but mm. it has a lot of ideas and a lot to say. Yeah. And some of it's just scratched on the surface. Just it brings it up and you can think about it more later and mm-hmm. think about what I was trying to say. But there are f- as many characters in that movie as there are in this show that are of any prominence, really. And... It's way more concise and way more entertaining and forget even... The thing is about Black Panther, the actions parts aren't the bit that are interesting about that film. It's what it's saying. It's what the characters, what they're talking about, the themes, the ideas, the characters. And all of that comes past, goes by in two and a half hours or less and is a million times better than anything that's being said here. Yeah. 
It doesn't. It didn't need. It knew it didn't need to be thirteen hours to do it, and Jessica Jones should have known that too. Mm-hmm. Totally, it's a real shame. Um, one hundred percent agree with that. Um, let's talk about Alyssa then, mm. the villain. Um, a, when did you realize that she was Jess's mum? I wish I'd written it in my notes. Yeah, I wish I had too. Because I remember you messaged me while you were watching it, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, when did you know? And I. Remember thinking like we see the monster in the flashback yep. and me thinking, oh, there's a reason that person has a scarred face. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I necessarily assumed it was a family member. <sighs> I wish I knew. I knew before the reveal. I know that, but I'm not sure when. I think I started to to wonder if it was possibly her mum when they mentioned – well, the first clue for me, and I took note of it at the time, was that when they showed a brief flashback of the car crash, Jessica was like remembering mm, the car and crash. And you didn't see the mum. You see the dad and you see the kid yeah. and, the, and the brother, but you don't see the mum. I took note of that at the time. Mm. And then they mentioned that Jess's powers come because of the way that the drugs or whatever interacted with her unique DNA. And so this monster having the same power, she says she's the Mm. same as me, but we know that Wizza wasn't, and Wizza was genetically very different from her, different family, familial Mm. background. You go, oh, so is this person related to Jessica? At which point I'm going, well, I didn't see the mum. There must have been a reason for that. Oh, and this person's related to Jessica. It must be the mum. And then the moment we saw her do that scene with the piano where the neighbor comes over and brings the baby and she's holding the baby and there's this whole like, oh, I miss my baby feeling. I was like, oh, yeah, done. Done. I know what's going on here. I'm just waiting for the reveal Did now. Did you think that's what it was? It was, I miss my baby? It was, it was. I mean, that's what do you think they were trying to imply? Later on, they go on to do the whole thing about when she's getting irritated, her anger kicks in, and then she breaks apart the piano. Yeah. Sure. But her, that the, it was- they Oh, her were, bringing them in was- her that. holding the baby and her reaction to the baby oh, okay. and her her contentment in that mm. moment, her joy of that moment was that of a mother of a mother. Right. And so that's what they were trying to convey. That was the clue. They were laying down the breadcrumbs for right, me to pick okay. up on. I did. I went, ah, know who you are now. So I was just scared the whole time. And also I found the mother incredibly annoying. But yeah. The mother of the baby. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I I actually quite liked that scene though. Of all of the scenes, one of my favorite ones was the one of her playing the piano and then breaking it. It kind of reminded me a little of the Kilgrave stuff where you have someone normal, normal in inverted commas, coming in and you like don't know how this super powered person is going to react or what they're going to do to them. And there's a fucking baby in the scene. So I was like, Oh God, what's going to happen? Cause at that point I didn't know who this yeah. person was. I was like, mm, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, that was what was good about the scene as well. It's mm. the juxtaposition of we've seen this woman just jumping around and being strong. And then when you see her in her lovely sunlit mm. kitchen area, whatever it is. The like a area. wolf in lamb's clothing or whatever it is. Well, it's just like, so what's your story? You're not, you mm. know, normally our villains, you know, hide in the shadows or at least uh, so like in Kilgrave's instance, he's surrounded by opulence. He's always in luxury and stuff like that. He's he's interested in power and money. She's not, she looks very homely. She's sitting there. She's learning the piano. She's, you know, it's a very pleasant like experience. Her house smells like incense. She looks like one of those ladies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. But you kind of go, well, what's the connection between the monster and you here? And so mm. that's an intriguing little scene. I actually think that's one of the better executed scenes in the first half of the show. Mm-hmm. It's, I was just like, oh, I am interested in what you're doing here. And then even just the way that she smashes the piano, I thought that was like, 
there's some stuff in here that looks really dorky when you try and do some action. That looks pretty effective. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed her breaking, smashing apart that piano. It was kind of fun to watch. And really, well, one of the things that often doesn't happen in this show, and we'll talk about this when we get to episode seven, is the editing can make a really big difference. It was shot and edited really well to give it the full dramatic impact of every time she slams that piano and it breaks apart, you feel it and you hear it. And and a show about a, well, at least one person, in this case, multiple people with super strength, they can do a really bad job of presenting that, like her power. Mm. But I felt her power in that scene. Yeah, cool. I was really happy with that scene. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about, though, her fucking name. <laughs> you messaged me about that. It hit me in episode eight or nine. I was like, because I because I started to put the subtitles on. I was watching it and there was some other people in the house, so I wanted to like put sub, make sure I didn't miss anything. Mm. And then I just kept seeing Alyssa whenever she was talking, you know, but not in shot. Yeah, and I was like, oh no, Alyssa is an anagram of alias. What the fuck were they thinking? That was on purpose. Someone thought that was clever, and I hate that person. I just like. Yeah, I'm. I was confused by because I assumed before you messaged me that Alyssa was spelt the traditional way. No, and it no. wasn't. And then that's the crazy bit. And I was like, oh, it's an anagram of alias. But I was like, but then we also get like the whole retcon episode with what's his name, like Spencer or something. <sighs> Sterling. Sterling. This is the episode. Um, I, I know, I know. Fucked. Um, Sorry. But I was like, but then they already like retcon the fact that he came up with the name alias, so it yep. can't be a purposeful anagram on the part of Jessica Jones nope. to turn it into alias, then nope. what is the point of it? I don't understand. There is no point. Just someone thought it was clever, so they put it in there. And I hate them for it. Right. It's the, but it's, clever in what way? They thought it was... They thought, hold on a second. Her... Thing, it's her... Her in the, in the comic books, it's called Alias Investigations. Mm-hmm. Her, the... Or Alias, aka Jessica Jones, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's the name of her investigative PI office or whatever in this... And they spelt it that they someone someone thought that was a clever. Someone thought that yeah, was smart. But someone I get why was, they would think it was a clever. Except in this season, we have the boyfriend come up with the name alias, so it can't be connected to that. Yep. So then, what is the point? Oh, I'm saying there's not. I'm saying it's not clever, but someone thinks it's clever, and that's what frustrates me. But no, me. no, no, no. Because I think I can see why someone would think that it was clever. Until if then. that retcon didn't exist. But you can't think it's clever if that retcon exists. The thing is, episode seven should not exist. In fact, the show... <laughs> no, but the show doesn't even acknowledge it. How many times after episode seven, before or after, is Sterling ever mentioned? It's a grand total of zero because <laughs> no one gives a damn. And I was waiting because you have that moment. Mm. I'm going to talk, talk about episode seven now, apparently. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about episode seven and why it's so bad. It's a bad... Soap opera offer. It's a tragedy. Uh, it's seriously, it's as bad as any of the worst parts of, of Iron Fist. It is Ridiculous. so poorly directed. The writing, the cinematography, the performances, the stunt choreography in particular, and the editing are all awful. It is mm. not just B grade, it's like C or D grade. There is the escape scene at the start when she's wearing that ridiculous prosthetic on her face that looks like something out of like, I don't know, some... Creature from the Black Lagoon type. It's so poorly shot and edited. Mm. It 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 does nothing to try and I don't know hide or try to to enhance what they're shooting. It's just shot like down a hallway. Remember when 
like novel Netflix shows tr- at least tried to be stylistic. Do you, I, I do, do you remember, remember that? that. Yeah, I do remember. And they're not even yeah. trying anymore. Yeah. The escape later when she's trying to break out, she breaks out of her restraints, looks like something out of like Lou Ferrigno's Hulk TV show. It is so <laughs> poorly done and shot. Mm. This retroactive origin story they're sort of giving Trish and and Jessica that well it mean it's showing there it's showing Trish when she was an addict it's showing Jess and her relationship with them. It's not younger. retroactive because they've spoken about that before. What the I mean Sterling is, stuff. What is. I mean is we're going back. Yep. Well, I, I'm not saying it's, it's a flashback episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not retconning. I'm not saying it's retconning anything. I I'm think the Sterling stuff is retcon, but yeah. But it's going back to show us this, right? Mm-hmm. And it gives us nothing that we need to see, nothing that enhances anything that we didn't already know about Jess and Trish in the way they talked about it. Mm-hmm. And then the Sterling stuff. So it starts with the episode starts with um, Alyssa talking. Uh, it's her voiceover. It's an interesting way to start the episode, actually. It was like normally Jessica's voiceover, right? Yeah. It's Alyssa and she's telling the story and she gets to the end of the story because she's the one who killed Sterling and says, will you forgive me? And Jess punches her out and says, no, I think she punches her out and says no or whatever it is. And then she gets put under. Now, that's an interesting plot point. There is some animosity between Jess and Alyssa because of what Alyssa did to Sterling. It is never brought up again and therefore is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It is a pointless episode that should not exist and not only should not exist its existence bogs down the season and is the lowest of the low marks of the entire show yeah i think you could have that tension between and they do they kind of replace it anyway between Alyssa and jessica but instead of this sterling person just have trish there and be like you want trish dead and that is like, and you have like tried to act like if you just rearrange the season a little bit to have Alyssa try and actively kill Trish, then you could have that tension as well. Being like, like, this is my family. This is the person I love. And you want to destroy that. Like you don't, you don't need Sterling to be that, that I guess. Oh, wait, no, no, I'm thinking about. Because she hasn't been there for, was it 17 years? 17, something along those lines, yeah. And Sterling's the reason. Sterling's the reason, what do you mean? Sterling's the reason. Because she realised the damage she can cause within Jessica's life and therefore that's why she removes herself. She doesn't attempt again to go back to Jessica's life because of what she did to Sterling. It, but that's not, that, but that's, yeah, cool. But that's not... Is that the bit that we're meant to take away? And she says, can you forgive me? It's because she removed herself from Jessica's life or because she killed her fucking boyfriend? Which is the thing that Jessica's mad about in that scene or should be mad about? To find out that your mum killed somebody yeah. that you thought was killed by somebody else probably should come up in conversation at least once after it's discussed. I, I'm, not, I'm not negating that. I'm just trying to think of a way to come up with a captivating reason as to why she hasn't attempted to contact... Jessica in 17 years. Do you know what all you need? All you need is that, yeah, she causes trouble on the way and she finds out that Jess doesn't need her. Jess is is happy with Trish and her current family. That's all you needed and she but walks away you, from that. But then you lose that tension for the rest of the season where Alyssa so desperately wants to be a part of Jessica's life because she does need her. Or, okay, does she... that doesn't she, even work with the or, idea that she okay, left okay, does she come back because of what... She discovered what happened with Kilgrave sure. and she's like, no, you do need me. Totally. Yeah. Just so you know, 
Because you're coming at me a little combative. I'm just I'm, angry I'm at not, the show. I'm, I'm angry not, at you. I'm not f- fighting with you in any no, instance. No, no. I'm actually trying to find ways that they could have bettered it. That, that's what I'm trying to do over the, here. But the an- the answer is that the episode not, the episode could literally be ta- extracted from it. Mm. In the previous episode with Jess being knocked out yeah. and start her waking up, erase that episode and you lose a grand... Absolutely zero. There's nothing lost mm. by not having I mean, episode. I... For, I do agree with what you're saying. It certainly bogs down the season. It's not necessary for what was before or what is to come afterwards. I completely agree. I will say I do. I did like actually being able to see Trish in that vulnerable state to see how far she fell. That for me was a good reference point moving forward. Do you, do you need it if you can just see her doing in the present and have everyone say, I've seen this before? Like, no, no, totally not. That's that's all. But you they needed. don't do that. So that this is my only reference point. Well, do it differently. Don't do this. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying. No, I know. This. But I'm, what I'm saying is, but yeah. that, though all these things. If you can and just I wrote, if we had the basic points of this season, and you and I wrote this season, of course it would be read abroad. You and I know it. Know it would be. That's very, very uh, true. I don't think that's. I don't think I can claim that. I'm not trying to claim that. I'm working as a critic in this context. No, I think that's true though, because I think it is. First of all, we'd be like, give us five episodes. Yeah, we need five. Though, honestly, if we were given thirteen episodes, it would probably be a disaster as well. If we're given thirteen episodes, I wouldn't send. I would. I, a, I would try to. Make, I think one of the things that's missing as well is the episodes aren't episodes. This is a show that could just be helped by trying to make the episodes around something, make them monster of the weeks almost. Not that mm. it has to be, but like she's she a fucking a PI. PI. <laughs> exactly. Just give her an investigation every week. Yeah. Just give her something else to do alongside this and have this slow burn in the background. Do the Buffy thing. Mm-hmm. Or, totally. or split it in bad. half. Have, have, for instance, the, the best episode of the season for me is the one where Kilgrave comes back. Not, Sadly, I, I feel like it's a bit of a crutch, but David Tennant is killing it in his performance and the way it's the craft of the directing, the shooting and the editing mm. is really working. There's a subtlety to it. And so you could have a half season or a break where you just have Jess just dealing with this Kilgrave thing that's following her around again. Just the, the return of Kilgrave into I a psyche. I loved the return of Kilgrave and it made me go, huh, kind of wish Kilgrave didn't was die? A, Not that he didn't die, but... Because I felt like that was really a really really important to end season mm. one with that, but that maybe this kind of psychological warfare that yeah. Jessica is going through could have maybe been a mainstay of the season. Yes, something that she continues to battle with throughout those thirteen episodes. That could have been really interesting, but they didn't do that. They just did it for one episode, unfortunately. Uh, what was the name of the hippie doctor guy? Was it Carl? I don't know. Probably I'd say yeah. it was Carl. What did you think of him? As a character, um, I that's that's the answer. Yeah, that that is it. That's all you need to say. Um, he's right. His personality <laughs> was his fucking doors T-shirt. Like that. Like I, I, he just, was my grade three teacher, Mister Harding. Great. Like he was like this hippie guy, quite well intentioned, kind of airy. But had this really nice sincerity to him that made you go, oh, I think I like you. But how that matches up with anything else that's going on with the things he's done, I'm not really sure. But he's, I, I honestly think he was terribly cast. I think they 
tried to make him give him a personality by giving him these fucking band t-shirts. It really annoyed me that that was a thing at all on this character. But then that they would they kept going to it. There's a bit where Alyssa's crying over over his doors t-shirt towards the end. <laughs> I was just like fucking off. But he he was nothing. I think he was really poorly acted as well. I no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I I could see the character. I think quite well, but I don't believe that character. Yeah, so it so I have this weird thing where we get to the moment where this character is performing the procedure on Trish. Yeah, I don't think the character I had seen before would have done that. Yeah, I don't think so I don't either. I think he would have done that at all. And then we get to this point where he decides to kill himself. Yeah. Which makes me go, you know your wife yeah. will lose her fucking shit and yep. kill everyone. Yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah, it's such a na- massive narrative plot hole. It makes yeah. no sense. And his, ca- his character makes no sense after that point. Well, just go back to Alyssa actually for a second. What do you think of her as performance? What do you think of her, what her themes as well? Like this idea of this uncontrollable anger that took over this danger to the world around her that struggling to control it is she a victim is she a villain what is yeah i mean i wish i found her struggle complicated Hmm. but i don't because i feel and i think jessica jones should feel though i understand the complication of her being a mother but i think she also is in line with where I am as well as a viewer, is that, well, you've killed people. Yeah. You're dangerous. You need to go away. It seems very straightforward to me. Well, I I guess the complicating factor here is meant to be that Jessica has killed people. Now, obviously, they aren't innocent people. Well, one of them was, but she was was controlled by somebody Mm -hmm. else. But then you could argue that Alyssa was controlled by, you know, uh, the... Result of these experiments have been done to her. This is brain yeah. damage. This isn't her fault. She's been controlled by but forces bigger I than herself. Think we all know if Jessica knew that her powers were uncontrollable, yeah, she would do everything in her power to remove herself. Agreed. Yeah. Whereas we know Alyssa, she, you know, w- with Jessica, she killed Luke Cage's wife under the influence of Kilgrave. She killed Kilgrave to save Trish and a bunch of other people, you know, let's extend it to the whole world. And then the third time is that this man was trying to kill her and so she, in self-defense, hit him over the head and he died. Very different than Alyssa going out purposefully... They kept making a point of this too, premeditated murder. ...to kill people... That Trish was investigating on the tail of to expose IGH. Yeah. Very fucking different. And we as the viewers can see that. And so it's really difficult for me to see that Jessica doesn't see that as well. Yeah. And I think she does, but I just, I don't know. They make it so murky. I'm like, oh, like one loyalty, one am I somehow a parallel to her, which yeah. is absurd because no thing, one like, believes that. Because that's, that's what the, the, the whole season is trying to convince us of. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, she's protecting her mother because she's protecting herself. Yeah. Or she's trying, she she projects herself onto her mother. But it's yeah. really hard to... Or, I don't, yeah, this yeah. thing, like, the issues with Jessica and her mum should have been solely focused on Jessica 
Jessica's need for I- a, for an identity and a place to belong, mm. not about some sort of, oh, maybe we're the same kind of stuff. Jessica desperately wants a place to belong and her mum is that place. And so giving that up once and for all would be incredibly hard. That's something that I think viewers can identify with and empathize with. But this idea, when we have seen who Jessica Jones is for already an entire season, to then believe that she thinks that she could be the same, when we know her moral compass, while a little like, you know, flexible, is very solid. We Like we know that. Um, I'm, I mean, you're – what they're trying to do, I think, is they're trying to go, well, what can we explore post-Kilgrave? And the the big thing that happened to Jessica was she killed Kilgrave. Mm. So that's, you know, that's the next step. How do we, Let's take that moment, that epiphany, that event, and go, well, how does this change Jessica? And that's the idea. Yeah. But I'm with you. It's, it's not well enough realized, especially yeah. when you spend the entire season understanding how fucking monstrous Kilgrave is yeah. and how much that was the solution yeah. that was required. And I'm just bored of this whole thing like, okay, if a character kills someone, then they have to deal the, – the consequences of that, the next character beats for that is, does that mean I'm a bad person? Mm. And I don't think that should have been where they went with Jessica at all. It should have been – oh, now people think I'm a killer yeah. and that's not who I am. That's way more interesting to me. Some serious parallels to Buffy in this season, in this <laughs> season whether it's, you know, a faith killing a, a person in, um, in Buffy season three, I guess it is, mm. or uh, Willow's addiction to magic going on, which is a little bit the same as Trish's addiction to fucking superpower drugs. Power. Holy mm. shit. Let's talk about Trish for a second. Okay. How do you feel about what they did with her character this season? I mean, so what? Okay, so why is Trisha? Trisha. So I suppose it's Trisha. It's true. It's yeah. Trisha. Yeah, go on. So determined to be the hero. That's one thing that yeah. I have kind of tried to understand, and like I understand that they want it to be complex and layered, although it comes across as murky and confused. Um, and I understand that she comes from a place of powerlessness and she also strives for betterment. Like that's because her mother has instilled that in her mm. to always strive for more. But I don't know. I feel like Trisha's motivations are... Infantile? Not only infantile, but coming from different places. I actually have like a little comment that I found on AV Club by a guy called Swinton. He was just like after a recap, he wrote that, Mm -hmm. wrote this little comment and says, I quote, is Trish an addictive personality driven into a relapse that's clouding her judgment? Is she a woman driven by a deep well of stunted ambition and anger that she's just now recognizing in herself after a lifetime of not being taken seriously? Or is she a human trauma survivor driven by growing resentment and jealousy of her superpowered sister? And the question I had was like, kind of yes to all, yeah. but nothing was explored to completion. There was the element as well of the frustrated woman who is wants to follow her career, but is being pushed aside or is struggling to in a male-dominated world as well. And she's that's not that, taken seriously. And she's not taken seriously and all mm. those sorts of things. And though all those things are 
pick uh, a pick a theme. Yeah, pick you, a theme. You've got to please. pick one of them eventually. And yeah. the problem is, I think the thing is, I really believe the Trish stuff could be really interesting. The Me place too. they the place they get to where she is the that, that I will I got to talk about that just in that moment for a second because it is so good. The moment where Alyssa and Jess are in the the Ferris wheel. My, by the way, uh, two seasons in a row we've ended things on a fucking spinning. Um, theme park attraction Punisher also ended on a carousel oh, that's right yeah oh it, that mirror blah, blah, blah. yeah yep. the the so they're on the Ferris wheel and they're having this discussion and it's you know I'm really in, I'm enjoying that scene for the most part mm. I'm not expecting to end anytime soon it's in a fantastic shock Fantas- yeah because really I was good, right? I was sort of sitting here being like fucking all cynical about it enjoying what it was, but like just wondering where this is going to go how can they shaking this be and then bam the blood on on Jessica's face and the reaction and then seeing that was Trish mm. was being like holy fuck that is bold that is yeah. a bold choice and a really interesting place to take us next season mm-hmm. because you've spent the whole season sort of driving a wedge between these two characters but to have such a, a Definitive, definitive event yeah. to mm-hmm. do it is really, really great, um, and just it, it, because it was so surprising and so shocking, I was I was really impressed by that. It was so much better directional move than we've seen throughout this season. That's the bit yeah. that's shocking too. It was it was a different. I think level. it was that moment, that scene with Jess and her mum. Very emotional, and the bam, yeah, just what's going on? Looking down, seeing Trish. Jessica just kind of like falling apart, jumping down, telling Trish to run and then going, wait, having to wait for the carriage to come back down yeah. and then going back in and just being with her mum by far was the best for me, the best moment of the season and yeah. made me go, oh, my God, I actually really want to watch season three. But do you I believe they're going to do anything good with it? Like, I, like, I don't know. I really d- I don't know. That's the bit. It's like I'm gr- I'm, that's, that moment's great. I am curious to what happens mm. next. I have no faith that it's going to be any good, though. Tell you what, if they come out and say season three is eight episodes long, I'll think about it. Yeah. But, but I'm... I mean, do I kind of hope that season two is growing babes? Sure. I'm going to give it that, but I don't know. It certainly feels like a middle, art, middle mm. episode. It feels like... They have a grand plan to go places with Trish. Is it Hellcat? Is that a character Hellcat, in yeah. the um because she obviously has powers by the end of this of some sort, super mm. cat like reflexes or something like that. I don't really know the character from the comic books at all. It's changed quite a bit. Has it? Yep. Cool. But like they're going somewhere with that theoretically. Um and that's that's great to know you've got a plan there. Mm. Fucking hell. It could have taken a better road to get there. Totally. Something I did actually like about that scene, or I thought was interesting. Trish is a pretty fucking crack shot. She has one go at it with a pistol at a fair range on a moving target. I did, she hit her very well. I did think about that and I was like, one, she does have all that training that she's gone through. Mm. Um, but I was like, that might have been the first sign that she's yeah. Hellcat. Yeah, yeah. That, that helped to get that moment at the end and go, oh yeah, yeah that, that makes it a yeah. little more uh, reasonable. But yeah, more going back to the, the Trish stuff. Yeah, that, that place is effective. But yeah, man. Getting there. The, the problem I mean, for I, me was... So, you know, go on. So, the problem for me was that I think she could be a really, really interesting, complicated villain, for lack of a better term, really. She's going mm. to be the antagonist, potentially, going into next season. The And you could feel them building towards that. She was so unreasonable. Every time she held a gun and the look that, that crazy look in her eyes when she's on that stupid fucking massive... 
Drugs. That puffer, man, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The there was like you can see what they're trying to do there, but the thing that was missing, and I think they wanted to do, but they just couldn't find it. And I think the thing that makes a villain a great one, case in point, without spoiling things, just go see it, Black Panther, mm. is that they either are monstrous like Kilgrave or there is an element of sympathy I have for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't have sympathy for Trish because I just see her making ridiculously awful decisions every step of the way and I don't feel like she's a victim. I understand the argument that she could be a victim, but she makes so many... So, when she whacks Malcolm across the head and then puts him Crazy. in the trunk of the car, like you're, in, you're ridiculous. Yeah. You are ridiculous and nothing you're doing makes sense. On any level. Yeah. And I cannot empathize with you. I wish, yeah. Like, yeah, I wish we saw the other side of Trisha's addiction sometimes. Like, we see her take the drug and we see her kind of go crazy on it and, like, just be, like, hyper-aggressive. And we see her kind of manipulate Jess and other people around her to get what she wants, to get the drug that she needs or to get the space so she can take the drug. I wish we had some quiet moments with Trish where she's kind of like grappling with the idea that things aren't okay, mm-hmm. but you can't fully admit to yourself that things aren't okay. But we just see this like hyper aggression from her or this like kind of mania that she's experiencing that it kind of feels cartoonish and silly. I 100% agree. Yeah. That's exactly what it feels like to me. I'm honestly, it's not a real look at addiction. This is my problem. Yeah. And I think we can just... I've seen it too many times now. I've seen it done too many times poorly. I am done, done with magic and super sci-fi power <laughs> drugs mm. or anything of that sort ever being used as, as a metaphor for addiction ever again. Lord of the Rings did it. Buffy did it. This has done it now. No more. We're done. It's mm-hmm. been done to death. There's nothing more to say there. It's always ham-fisted. Fuck it off. Don't do it again. That's my very, very specific point. <laughs> I don't think there... I think there's probably more to say on it. I just think maybe get people who have experience with addiction to tell those stories. Okay. Say... that, Mate, you're right. It's just every time I've seen it done, it seems to be ham-fisted. You, if you can do it with subtlety... And it's kind of like the I'll, same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, <sighs> I, I see what you're saying. Every time. Um, what about Jerry's storyline? In this, this this is the one you were talking about, right? This is the one that makes it's just like I'm not I'm not even saying it's necessarily bad. It just doesn't belong. It just doesn't. Yeah, it shouldn't well, be this here. Is, this is the weird thing because I agree it doesn't belong. It's kind of completely detached from everything else. But is weirdly the most clear and concise yes. kind of story and arc throughout yeah. the whole thing. So totally. I was like. I'm actually quite enjoying this, even though it was detached. That's the thing. Mm. I wasn't ever rolling my eyes at it. That wasn't what was happening. Mm. I was just wondering why it was here. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't relate back Fair. to anything. It does yeah. not impact the rest of the show in any way. The only thing that happens is Jess needs to hide this person, mm-hmm. sends him to Jerry, and then Jerry takes off on her own little adventure that could have been its own little two-hour I loved, movie. I, I'll be honest. I love the Jerry Hogarth stuff. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I... I as soon as she moved in, I was like, oh, they're going to bone. Oh, yeah. They're going to bone Ruha. And so I was kind of like waiting Jerry for that. Jerry is gross. She is disgusting. Wait, lady. who's gross? Uh, just uh, the bit at the end when she's with the yoga instructor. I'm just like, fucking <laughs> Jerry, you're a perv. I was like, well, there's the aim. I just need to be really rich and then I can <laughs> just hire a yoga instructor to perv on. Tick, tick, tick. Uh, no, I'm not a sexual predator. That was a joke, by the way, everyone. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> 
that's that's topical, right? Being a sexual predator is funny. No, no, it's not. Back away from this <laughs> one, Damascus. What are you doing? <laughs> no, but like I really, yeah, I don't know. I found the entire plot really engaging. And I was really hot. Like when Jerry Hogarth breaks down after she walks back in and everything is gone, I was heartbroken. I was like, fuck, that's What sucks. sort of building is she living in where some people can remove really expensive, two people theoretically can mm. remove really expensive vases and not have security, a doorman, someone go, what the fuck's going on here? Well,. People would know that Inez is living with But Jerry. taking all her stuff. Jerry's probably been living there for a very long time, at least in season one. It seems, it feel like if you're paying to live in a really ritzy, high-class apartment in New York, there's mm. probably some amount of security that's going to at least be suspect and ring you and say, hey, uh, is this okay that people are taking shit from your apartment? Well, do you reckon they just like put like a car or a van or whatever into the parking garage and then took the elevator down to the garage, filled it up and drove off. I guess that's possible. There you go. Okay, fine. Fix that plot <laughs> or whatever. The point <laughs> being the, I agree with you. It was, it was okay. And it's mainly because Carrie or Carrie, 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 Carrie Ann Moss is a really good actress. I think you said Carrie Ann Moss last time. Moss was it? <laughs> she is a really great actress. Mm-hmm. She is Committed to her role as Jerry Hogarth more than she should be. And come on, she's being paid. It's not her fault that she's choosing to do it well. But I I, I don't mean it as a criticism, I mean it as a compliment. She does a lot. Like the the thing is, there are so many poorly written lines in this season, and Jerry gets them, but they're delivered with such conviction. Fathom, like, well, you made that work. Well done, you. Mm-hmm. She's great. There's a, there was a bit there as well I loved where she, this is totally stupid. When she goes to the pawn shop, she's wearing this very Trinity outfit. And I was like, huh, I want a Matrix remake or a Matrix I think that's just sequel. a rich New Yorker outfit, which is black and sure. well-fitting. It was the whole, I was just like, oh, man, I've forgotten how much I like the Matrix. So you want to go back and watch it again. Um, Malcolm. I <laughs> uh, roll. Damascus roll her eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great. So boring. And I just, there's something that certain actors do that I find intolerable, mm. which is when they're speaking through you either. made certain sound like it was a racial thing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, jeez. No. I know you didn't mean it that way. It was just... I meant bad. Okay, good. <laughs> Fuck, man. Um, but they do when they're either speaking. In... Fuck, no, I just can't get that out of it. Now Sorry. I feel like a racist. No, no, I'm joking. No, but when. Bad actors, in my opinion, are speaking in either anger or righteousness in which they – or seriousness in which they purse their lips Mm. to kind of – and they make their mouth really small to kind of really make sure you know (laughs) that they're angry or serious, which is a sign to me of bad acting. Okay. And he does that all the fucking time. His level of sincerity is disconcerting to me. And I hate the performance and I hate the character. I just I think the character is a big fat nothing. Mm. He especially this season, he's just not given much in the way of a struggle. He his struggle is that he's got a shitty boss. Why don't you respect me? Yeah. Because it's, it's Jessica Jones. Like it or fuck off. But it Okay. <laughs> It, it's just it's just got nothing he's got nothing to add his story they try to give him a storyline he ends up going with the competitive 
like oh what a triumph what a moment well well, it's not a tragedy or a triumph it's just nothing it's just i just yeah did you not hear the sarcasm in my voice i'm I'm trying to translate that into a real (laughs) criticism it's just not there's not that's the podcast (laughs) it's not it's not really it's just not anything he's he occasionally is helpful to keep the plot moving his they give him this semi-fling with Trish. So terrible. Which, I don't know, but they're both attractive people. I guess they'd be attracted to each other, but there's nothing there beyond that. And it's like, okay, but I just feel great, like, Malcolm. So we have to go through this sh- crappy like producer story where Malcolm is in the trailer for some reason filming it. Pretty sure Trish could have filmed it herself, but anyway. He How has- she filmed it? Camera's are fucking tiny now. Just put a camera on your fucking lapel. Just, oh, I don't. I didn't. Why? That really did. I it's did not wa- mind it's that. It's way more dangerous to have another person sneak into his trailer, leave him there while the guy is still in the trailer. Just audio record it on your phone in your bag. I guess I know. There's a certain reliability in having someone actually control the camera. But sure, whatever. That's that. Of all the nitpicks, that is not one I really <laughs> bothered me. But like, so you have that, so that. Malcolm can see that like Trish has had this past, which is going to bring them closer. So, oh, okay. So this is going somewhere that goes nowhere. nowhere. <laughs> which makes You're me an go. And I was an addict and I don't want to be around you. Goodbye. But let's burn a little bit more. <laughs> like what? It's just so many threads that go nowhere. And this is one of them. Malcolm is certainly one of them. The... My overall frustration also comes from the potential of these Netflix Marvel shows because they have a license to be adult, right? They can have swearing. Boobs. <laughs> they can have sex. Boobies. They can have nudity. Vaginas, they can have violence. Butts. But, but <laughs> they, um, they, the storytelling is still so basic and childish. Mm-hmm. This is a cartoon. Yeah, totally. It's... You have the potential to be different and and tell stories that we can't tell in the cinematic universe. That's why it's a little confusing, I think. Tonally, it's confusing. Well, okay, no, not tonally confusing, but we have been told that this is the more adult yeah. Marvel stuff. It's adult and in the most infantile ways. Yes. Yeah, wonderfully said. Yeah, exactly, because the dialogue feels like it's written by people do- that – don't want to delve into the realism mm-hmm. of the situation, which is confusing because I thought that's what I was kind of stepping into maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just – it's kind of all over the place and it doesn't know where it fits. It, yeah. It just – it's it's the, – the the thing that kept, has kept me going is my love for the MCU. And the, one, mm. the thing about the MCU that I love is that over the course of like however many hours we've put into these Marvel movies – sorry, Marvel Netflix series is way more than I've actually put into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's been 18 movies, but it's 18 times two and a half hours. So what, we're around the 40-hour mark? Like four of... We've done that twice over. Oh, God, I don't want to do the math. But think about it. We've done that twice over at least, I think it is, with these Marvel uh, Netflix series. And I get... I have such a better sense of accomplishment of like things like... Civil War is not a particularly deep movie necessarily. It's not a super serious movie. But the character work they do, they've done with 
Tony Stark. Clear themes, and clear characters. Steve work. Rogers, yep. yep. Over the course of these movies to get them to a point where Civil War is a really interesting exploration of how these two have a, completely changed their ideologies and switched places. Mm-hmm. And then their conflict and that that as hard as they try, they can't meet eye to eye to on this one issue and how that splits them apart and and breaks apart everything they've worked hard. Like, just thinking about it, it's so well done and executed. I and mean, Civil giving- War is incredible in the fact that we have our two protagonists who are now though decide I guess depending on which side you want to lean on one's a protagonist and one's an antagonist they have completely opposing goals yeah which is so exciting mm-hmm. but they have clearly demonstrated how each of those characters would get there yeah and we have gone on that journey that's what I mean when like we need to stop thinking about these shows in episodes but in hours so that we can yeah. compare them to things like the films, yeah. which are we have a certain number of hours that we're given. A lot of the time it's split up. I mean, we have Avengers and we've got, you know, even Civil War and even like Winter Soldier, it's quite split up. We're like, you know, we've got um, Bucky and the Cap and stuff. Like things are split up. There's a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of characters to deal with, but they do it so beautifully, clearly and concisely. Like that's what the level we should be at. The MCU has never happened before, right? The, the idea of this huge franchise of currently 18, about to be 19, and God knows how many there'll be all of, mm. overall movies. They are doing serialized st- storytelling via cinema. And, so exciting. And of yeah. course, the the action and the visuals that can comes from these gigantic, um, hugely costly, hugely big budgets affords is part of the appeal. But the things I'm talking about here that we've just been talking about for the last couple of minutes has nothing to do with the action or the visuals. It's got to do with the relationship they've built mm-hmm. between these characters and how I give a yeah. damn about these things. And so what's crazy is you've somehow cracked the code first go around. Yeah. You, you tried this for the first time and got it right yeah. and you learned how to do serialized storytelling in your movies. Why are you so bad at doing it in a television format that's been around since the last 50 years? Like how have you stuffed it in the format that this originated in? Or that has been doing it for way longer than the movies have, and it's I just it boggles the mind. It and, really does. And honestly, at this point, I, for my own sanity, have to completely forget that the Netflix series are even attached to the MCU at all. In fact, they basically have as well, because apart from the raft and someone having a Captain America toy, I don't think anyone really gives a shit. The amount of times they talk about things like there's a bit where Jessica Jones is talking about how you know uh, I know it must be a dream because like super strong monsters aren't real or something. I'm mm. like, you live in the world with the Hulk. <laughs> like, yeah. Or, or this is a dumb one. This is a nitpick. There's a bit where uh, Alyssa and Net and Jess are in the RV. Weird choice to have the RV, by the way. That was completely pointless. But the, um, they're, oh, maybe there's a thematic thing there. It doesn't matter. The, and they, she says, I think Alyssa says, we're the two most powerful women in the MCU in the in the world. I was like, Haha, Scarlet Witch would like to have a talk to you for a moment about that, but that was just my little nitpick. Right? <laughs> um, do like do people know about Scarlet Witch? Yeah, yeah, Scarlet Witch. I mean, she was the one that. I mean, at this point, surely the stuff in Sokovia has happened, and mm. she's the one who blew up that building full of Wakandans. Like, yes, that, people know about that. That this is post. You would she assume blew up post- Wakandans. Was that in in Civil War? 
this happens at the start of the movie. It's the first thing. The guy's going to explode. The crossbones. Oh, guy. that was in Wakanda. No, no, no. It was somewhere else. But the Wakandans were there. Like some Wakandans were there as part oh, of like okay. a special an aid mission or something like that. And that's right. why the King of Wakanda and He's T'Challa the, are there later because right, the they're meeting. discussing what mm-hmm. happened and they're trying to get the Sokovia Accords. See gotcha. how much more complex and interesting <laughs> the MCU is. Yeah, right. Just by like yeah. Well, sheer that's the thing is like building. I don't like action films I, I don't like action sequences generally and this also takes place you don't in a like lot of spider-man but you like their spider-man film uh, exactly so like that's not why i'm there mm-hmm. so the reason i love the marvel films is certainly not because of their bigger budgets and it's certainly not because of their bigger action sequences it is because they have drawn me in with character with clear themes that I can track and be engaged with either critically or just as a happy viewer sitting on my couch having a lazy Sunday enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones season one did that too. I was engaged the, with the character and the theme that they were exploring. The Jessica and Kilgrave stuff did that. The Trish and Simpson stuff did not. That was awful. No, the Trish and Simpson stuff I agree with. The Trish and Jessica stuff Yeah. absolutely engaged with. Yeah. Go on, finish your thought. I just had thought of something else. Yeah. So, like, they, they have the ability to do it. So, my question is, what the fuck happened? <laughs> Did they just not have – do they just not have a strong enough showrunner to be like, this is what we're aiming for – Everyone needs to be working together to aim for this thing. These are our themes. These are our character points. This is our clear narrative structure. Follow it. I mean, I think the obvious thing that's missing here is someone like the best film, the best TV shows that we know of, there is someone behind it, right? Whether it's Mm. your Vince Gilligan or your Joss, Joss Whedon or whatever it might be. But then you've got things like... In the MCU, we think of Kevin Feige. In Star Wars, whether you liked The Last Jedi or not, and you should have because The Last Jedi was great. (laughs) You've got Kathleen Kennedy. There is nobody seemingly steering this ship at Netflix. And it feels that way. There is a guy. Is there? Who are they? Because we talked about him previously in another episode when we were talking about Marvel Netflix. There was a guy who was in charge of... He's terrible at his job. Yeah, I think that's the point. He's really bad at his job. He doesn't understand why people love... I don't think he cares on the story level. He doesn't understand how to make that work. There is not that voice that needs to be there. It seems to be cultural at this point, the misunderstanding Hmm. of what people love about Marvel. And culturally, the people doing the Marvel Netflix stuff have just completely missed the mark and have created a culture that does not coincide with what the viewers really respond to. I mean, one of the things that Marvel are doing so well in the MCU side of things is that they do have a grand plan. Kevin Feige keeps... He has got a bold plan. It's evolving and changing, but he's got a vision, right, mm. for where this is going. Not just the character, the vision, but a vision. Ha, ha, ha. And the... <laughs> the ha, ha, ha. <laughs> just laugh at my own joke. And the... They also, interestingly enough... Keep even though they've got this vision, this sort of like direct plan, 
they keep choosing people to direct these things who have a passion mm. as well, which is really interesting. Not passion just getting and a vision, their they, own personal vision. That's right, and they could easily be just getting workmen like directors like Ron Howard in, or you know, people like this, or Brett Ratner. I don't know. These poor people come in and do these things and do them the way that that they know are going to follow toe the line. But they've been really bold to choose people who are going to put passion and energy into these things to make them good. They mm. want them to not just... I think like Taika Waititi doesn't want to make a bad movie. Do you know what I mean? Or he's not going to be content in making a average movie. He's going to make Thor Ragnarok great. James Gunn and it was. keeps making... He really, truly loves, it's obvious, these Guardians of the Galaxy films. Mm. He is passionate to make a third one. That's a big thing to come in to a existing franchise and say, I really want to make a trilogy here and yeah. I've got I've got a I've got love for this. There is no one they don't that does not seem to be the case here. There are no risks being taken. There's this thirteen episode structure every time. They just know that if they keep ever since it was announced, it seems like now, I was so excited about the possibilities. And now it seems like the most cynical thing ever. Let's just let's just make the Marvel Cinematic Universe but adult and on Netflix and the money will roll in. As long as we keep making three of these things a year, the money will keep coming. And that's, that's all they, that's all they say. It's just content. It's just content. That's why it's 10 episodes. It's just more, they can say there's this many hours of original Netflix stuff. There's this many hours of Marvel on here. It doesn't matter if it's any good or not. Mm -hmm. It's just being made. Yeah. Every one of these seasons should have had someone steering the individual ship with a clear direction of what they wanted to do. And people who were passionate about the project with a clear understanding of <clears throat> what makes the genre great. Mm. That has not happened. Because, yeah, I'm trying to think of a name that I can grab from. Drew, all, Gold, Drew like, Goddard and Stephen S. Denight or whatever it was, or Stephen Denight or whatever it was, the only two names that have come up along the way at all that I think I've given a shit about but is that because you already recognize the name, right? Mainly because I recognize yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah. But like in all the research I have done, I don't remember seeing the name of a showrunner, mm. which is shocking because of all the shows we've done and I do a shit ton of research, that's generally a really important aspect yeah. when people are discussing a show and they don't talk about it with these shows because no, you're right, they're it's captainless. A, it's a formula. It's just an mm. algorithm. Yeah. Oh, the bad side of uh, of the Netflix thing I think that's going on here. All right. Boy, I'm getting depressed. Um, <laughs> let's talk. Uh, let's try and let's get things a bit more fun for a second. I want to talk about some of my favorite lines from mm. this season. Some of the great Juicy. writing that went on here. This one's a bit I of a... I wish we could like play act them, but okay, <laughs> go for it. This, this is one of my... Uh, this is a bit of an easy one. Mm-hmm. Low-hanging fruit. Uh, with great power comes great mental illness. <gasps> that was a lovely one. I love, I love this one. This is where I started taking note. Go beat off in the corner because I don't give a dead moose's last shit. Fuck, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Nobody even as witty as Jessica Jones would attempt or ever think up something. I don't understand that one at all. Mm. Uh, is that like an American thing? I don't know. Because they have moose? I don't know. Anyway. You don't know me yet, but I am I am actually trustworthy. Um, it Who was, said that? Uh, it was Carl, Carl, and I'm pretty right. sure it was it was during episode seven, right? You don't know me yet, but I'm actually trustworthy. And I, oh, and that's was, right. He says that to Alyssa. He says yeah. it to Alyssa, and it was delivered as though he was in Birdemic, one of my favorite <laughs> shit movies of all time. That's a great film. The scientist lady that he works with, 
I won't be a part of this. Yeah. When like Alyssa comes back, yep. she's like, no. Yep. And then Carl is, I've been worried out of my skull. Um, and then that's not a thing. No. And then the next, <laughs> this is one of, oh man. I feel like they put that script through like Google translate. I, I honestly wonder if episode seven was added later because it, it has no impact. Did someone turn around post-production and go, um, we need that 13th episode actually. Can we slot in a, uh, like do it at the end. Someone shat it out. I'd love to know who was attached to that one. Like a moose shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like a moose, dead, dead moose is the last shit. Um, this is one of Jess's uh, voiceovers. Uh, that saying about having your cake and eating it too, whoever said that probably didn't have a cake that killed people. <laughs> uh, well, it's Marie Antoinette and she never said it, but yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. No, 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 no. That was let them eat cake. Oh, wait, what was the saying that you said? Yeah, that that saying oh, about having your cake, cake and, and eating, eating it, it too. too. Sorry, Whoever yeah. said that probably didn't I was didn't half listening. I was people. so scared of what yeah. you were going to say. Sorry. Well, actually, a question I did want to ask. Are Jessica's narrations past tense or present tense? Or future tense? Like they are, they they change all the time. I'm never sure whether she's talking in the moment. Mm, is it, that's a good is question. Is it a voiceover after the fact or is it actually an internal monologue that's happening at the time? It changes. It changes sometimes during the... The actual like the tense dialogue. changes. Yeah, I don't know whether she's she's sometimes she's commenting on things that she's seeing, and then sometimes she then later it'll be like she'll be reflecting back on it afterwards. It's so yeah. weird. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I just don't even know why they're there. They they happen once an episode at most. I think because they're a carry on from when the show was trying had to- style. <laughs> Was trying to be was, a detective it was, noir. It was it was a noir, yeah, and right. then they decided not to do that, but carry on some of the tropes. This is, this is my last one. This is also a Jess voiceover. Mm-hmm. What happens to our dreams when we realise they'll never come true? They turn into nightmares. nightmares. Beautiful. Just- I mean, that kind of hit me hard because <laughs> I was like, "Oh fuck! If I don't like realise my dreams, and then I'm like always going to live with regret, and then they will turn into nightmares." Fuck, that's true. And then I went on a depression spiral. Uh-huh. Is that not where your brain went? Yeah, no. <laughs> the I also, from a bad writing perspective, want to talk about some of the fun plotting that's going on here. Or, or just uh, your plot holes, right? There is a million and one crazy fucking things that Trish does that... <laughs> why don't people fucking real notice this? There's one bit when she's in a car of all times, mm-hmm. but someone recognizes her and takes a photo. Early on in the in the in the show, like episode three or something, she's taken her stupid super puffer, gets on a bus, <laughs> kicks a guy out of it, and no one on that bus recognizes her or takes and a she's photo like, of the incident. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. How does this not that's make a, the papers? That's a really good point. It made no, Though, no sense to that me. That scene actually made me laugh. And I think I I think I hope that it was meant to make me laugh, that she was like... No, it was meant to make her crazy and dangerous. But, like, the fact that she follows this guy onto a bus because he looks dangerous and then he starts reading this book that's about, like, controlling negative emotions and then she just... That, hears, bit, that bit was all right. And then she slightly hears in the background, like, oh, this guy touched my ass and then completely overreacts and then, like, kicks him out of the bus and then turns and is like, you're welcome. Like, that was meant to be kind of humorous, right? I think it was going to... I felt like it was actually going to go somewhere and suggest that maybe that guy was innocent and she was talking shit and Mm. that... But the scene just ends. (laughs) Like, the way that he's going, like, he... 
she is reacting a lot, the lady that's saying he touched my ass. And yeah. he's very like, well, what are you talking about sort of thing? And I'm like, mate, the thing is, the, the I, I, to even try and pluck anything out of that scene is pointless because you never see any of it. And it's a nothing scene. Yeah. It's, it's all just ADR. crazy pants. Yeah. Oh, it's so... I shouldn't even bother. I don't know why I'm trying. <laughs> I kept wondering... There's something I wondered as well. When Hogarth's saying, this guy's a healer, like he healed me, and Jess is sitting there with a massive cut on her head, why she didn't ask him to try and heal that to prove whether he was... She was sceptical. She doesn't think to test the guy. You've literally got like an injury. Mm. Ask him to fix it there and then. And Where then are they in that? At Hogarth's oh, apartment. Oh, that's right. When she first walks in. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of the time she doesn't want to step on Hogarth's shit unless, until she's thought about it a bit more. Uh, well, that was actually interesting when she did decide to say, hey, mm. by the way, you've been scammed. At that point, when at, at my, I, I went through two reactions, the first reaction was, fuck your. Why did you tell her then? She's got a sense of hope. Why would you tell her that you're suspicious of these people? But then, obviously, it's because she was worried she's being scammed. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I came around on that one. But my initial reaction was like, Jess, you bitch. Why did you take that away from her? But also, like, yeah, I mean, you Hope's got Hope's not a bad thing. But then but then it was, yeah, she's I being screwed up. I think false over. hope is very dangerous. That's but fair. Yeah. Um, Trish has this excuse when they first... Now, I understand that Trish doesn't want the cops involved because she wants to be the hero, right? In but- what regard? What point so, is this? So, tri- they, uh, Malcolm uh, find Carl. This is the bit just before she knocks out Malcolm, right? And he says, let's call the cops. Mm. And she says, Tris' excuse for not calling the cops is that Carl might be gone by the time they get there. I'm like, I understand that Trish's kind of excuses, but why the fuck would Malcolm buy that for a second? It's the dumbest excuse ever. I'd be like, okay, and if that happens, then we trail him. Like, yeah. Why the fuck? That's not a reason to not call the cops because they might take too long to get there. That's the <laughs> dumbest. Does not make any sense. And no effort was put into the writing of that one. Um, so if you are being violently attacked and you want me to call the cops, it is not appropriate for me to then say to you like, oh, they probably won't make it in time before you die. Exactly right. Okay, you don't want me to respond that way? No, please Just, don't. Okay, clarification. Great. Thank you. Um, the... The 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 point of Sunday dying, the other police detective, is a really it makes no sense to me. A because it's a terrible strategic move from Alyssa. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to do it, and also because I have no connection to this character, therefore it doesn't work on a dramatic level. There is nothing about that series of events apart from I guess it gets the cops even more interested in wanting to stop this murderer, which they yeah. we didn't need. It, it made me go, oh, the one like cop that was on Jessica's side is no longer be going to be on her side. But that's also not true that's not because true. he is just a generally good guy and like Apparently. understands. And he's like, well, it's your mum. I get it. So that it didn't pay off in that way either. It was a nothing. She had no reason to do it. It wasn't, It did, at least to me, didn't read like she was in a particularly rage-induced moment. She was just trying to get away safely. All she had to do was do the same thing but push the cop forward Were they she always going to kill her? When they, they walked gonna, into the room? They were, were going to shoot her, I think. was the. I think that was likely to happen. Yeah. But that you can still push her forward and jump away. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like you the don't killing have to, of her was not killing necessary. Killing of Sunday was completely necessary. Yeah, gotcha. From a character strategic point of view, but also from a plot perspective or from a story perspective, mm. it did nothing. But you need to do that so that Jessica knew that there was no other option because the cops were always going to kill her. Jeez. 
but she's all. What do you mean? No other option that. Like she couldn't just take her in or call the cops because the cops were always going to kill her at that point because she'd killed a cop. That that can happen, but she still doesn't need to kill Sunday. I don't understand why killing Sunday has anything to do. Because she killed a cop. They were going to kill. They were basically going to kill her at that moment anyway. Yeah, that's true. It just it 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 added nothing to the drama. It was just padding. It would. It, yeah. It didn't get take us anywhere we weren't already going. Yeah. Already at. I think like in within the narrative they reiterated that that was the point where it's like, well, she's gone too far. Whether that's true or not, that's what they felt they were doing within the, the story. Apparently, yeah. The last little bit before we get into final thoughts. the <laughs> There's a bit where Jessica's in the diner with the guy from the, I don't know, superintendent or whatever it is. I can't remember what his name is. and Oscar. Oscar. And they realize that uh, she's surrounded by cops and she starts attacking them and she runs out and she jumps into a truck, right? Wait. When is it happening? When they're at the diner. She's on the run oh, yeah, with her yeah, mum. Yeah, yeah, got it. And the gravel truck. The yeah. gravel truck. And she jumps into the gravel truck that's passing by, which just so happens to oh, take them to the exact right? place. Like, was she, was, the, was that a plan to meet at the gravel place? What is happening? The RV was apparently like around the corner. Amazing. Did she have a phone and be like, I'm in a gravel truck. Tell you Probably what. go to your nearest gravel depot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't I get know. over it. Yeah. Oh man, this is going long. Are you ready for final thoughts? Yeah. You got you no, know, you've got something else. What you got? What else you got? What else you got? You got something else to talk about. Um Come where's on. Rosario Dawson? <laughs> she hasn't been it since Punisher. She's out. She's done. She's done. She's yeah. like me. I think she's got another job, so I hope so. She's all good. Oh, um, how good like and important was the character of Griffin? I've forgotten who Griffin is. Who's Griffin? <laughs> That's a really good let's just end it on that. Who's Griffin? It's <laughs> It's Trisha's fiance. Oh, fiance. Um, I mean, early on when they're establishing that she is trying to like, she is she feels like she's struggling really to invested. make herself. I thought like, I oh, this too. is really interesting. And then, but like, it has no consequence. I do you know what scene I actually quite liked? I thought Ooh, was well performed. Yeah. Was when she shows up to the engagement. Mm. I was like, I'm like, this is an interesting scene when yeah. she is like. I'm really not into this. Mm-hmm. I actually realized I kind of just want to be a career woman, basically. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I kind of, um, and the scene when she's saying, I didn't want to be with him, I wanted to be him. I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting insight into your character. But then everything she does after that is crazy pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, that guy, it took me ages to realize, I'm like, where do I know that guy from? The, the guy who plays Griffin. Yeah. He plays the jerk director in Dawson's Creek, um, who. It's in the later seasons. Right, I haven't got I was like, I was like, oh, I, I recognize you. But he looks way sexier in this season. So, oh. well done. He's aged well. Mm-hmm. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. All right. Let's get through some quick side notes. Um, I'll go through this as quickly as I can. There's actually a few. Simpson gets as much screen time as he deserved. That's for sure. <laughs> Agreed. Um... I've the one. Oh, Foggy's in it for a second. I couldn't. No. I forgot that Foggy uh, that Foggy was even a thing. <laughs> the the cops in general, I just thought were ridiculously basic. They were just yeah. nothing they characters. Were they were cartoons. caricatures. Yeah. yeah. There. Oh, that was speaking of muddled themes. You people, the, this idea of super discrimination, which has been done a thousand times, yeah. and does nothing except like 
it's mentioned a couple of times, but never actually plays in the narrative at all. Did you mention that, Fuck m- for that shit. most of the people, almost like 99% of the people that mentioned like you people or discrimination were people of color? I did notice that actually. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't mention it, but I did know that, yeah. yeah. Um, this is probably my, just my dumb brain, but there's a bit when Trish and Malcolm are having sex for the first time and he keeps saying, look at me, look at me. Ugh, and gross me out. She says, I see you. But in a way that reminded me of in The Fellowship of the Ring when uh, Frodo puts on the ring for the first time and he sees Sauron's eye and mm. he goes, I see you. And <laughs> it was identical to live I swear. It was, yeah. I was just like, it was just like, oh, that's really pure funny. manipulation. Trish was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. What did you think of the, uh, I want you cray cray song? <laughs> My comment is, I want your cray cray. Oh, Trish. Like, just like terrible career choice, but also perfect for the time that it's set yeah. in. Like, of course that would be it. it yeah. I'm in this weird place where I hate that episode, right? But the, <laughs> their, I my reaction to it, I believe, is the reaction they wanted, which yeah. is I'm nauseated. It's totally accurate. But yeah, that's yeah. exactly what you wanted me yeah. to be, so I, I can't take and that And now it's your you. ringtone, and you're obsessed with it. I get it. The bartender, Sterling's at the bar, right, and doing his thing. He's, like, giving extra drinks to the bartender. Blowjobs from addicts aside later on. Yeah. He's 100% right in everything he says. And the idea they try and villainize him at all, I'm just like, no, man, he's he's totally right to fire you. You're a, you're a dick. I didn't, I didn't get... Kim as a villain, though, it seemed. Like, I was like, oh, Sterling's a young, cocky dickhead. This is the thing, right, though. Mm. I Maybe that's just because I'm older. <laughs> if Sterling is going to be a young, cocky dickhead, there needs to be a lesson or something along the line that's going to help to shape Jess. And it doesn't happen. He's just killed and is meant to be a tragic backstory for her. Yeah. Oh, great. So, yeah. his, his character being that way makes no sense to me. Um... I was really maybe his like confidence, like in that moment, was to draw her in, and that was just simply it. Whatever, I hate that. Episode. <laughs> um, I was getting really hopeful that because the because it was so bad, and I was so disappointed with what they were doing to Lisa and where they were going with the villains and everything mm. in this episode, in this season. I was hoping. I was like, oh, wait a second, maybe none of this is the case. Maybe Alyssa isn't actually Jess's mum. Maybe she's somebody who's been, because Kilgraves knows Jess so well, he's like, I don't know how, like it's a thing he'd set up in the past or that it was... You're blowing my mind over here. Or that he was still around somehow, don't ask me how, Yeah. that that didn't figure that part out, but that I just kept thinking like, if they come out and say Kilgrave was behind this the whole time, was just this grand scheme to manipulate Jessica again, to torture her, I was going to be like, fuck you, you've... You've totally pulled me back in with that because because it would totally make me forgive the ridiculousness of the story that was going on. I think I just had an orgasm of possibility. Like but that is that sounds really something exciting. need to save it. Yeah. And that would have done it. This idea, this woman that doesn't look like your mother, but they he was able to convince you, mm. manipulate you in other ways. He found a new way because he can't control you anymore. He yeah. found another way to do it. Fuck, that's good, Brod. And, and it didn't happen though. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> Well, never mind then. Um I thought you know the vet lady when she gets locked in the cage. Yeah. Did not deserve that. She had a shitty attitude, but she was doing nothing wrong. Someone will find her if Enough time. That's she fine. didn't deserve that. No, nah, she was a bit of a dick. Why would you steal a v an RV? But more importantly, why the fuck would you get out of the RV to play your iPad game when you could just do it sitting in the car? Why does that kid get out in the first place? 
He's probably been sitting there for like 12 hours. He wants to just like stand up for a bit. He's play- He's compl- so immersed in his game that mm. he doesn't even know the RV is being stolen. There is no reason to think that he would get out to I move. I reckon that RV smells heinously oh, of farts. Ridiculous. Maybe that might be it. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Did the Defenders even happen? No. Nah. It just is never mentioned at all. Matt who? They, they, no idea. They brought down a build. Yeah, right. That relationship <laughs> that she built up with Matt Murdock that was actually kind of cool. Not a thing. Yeah. He's a, this is how nitpicky I was getting. How could the yoga teacher know Jerry had made progress if she was facing her away from her? That's how, that's how nitpicky I got. Someone tells me she's being paid enough to say anything. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, the last little point there was just, I, isn't this the ending of this season the exact same way that Daredevil Season 2 ended? With the heroes, this person they were attached to significantly that has come back from the dead dying again and their business slash family being split up. Isn't that the exact same thing that happened at the end of Daredevil Season 2? I wish I could remember what happened in Daredevil Season 2. Did you have any side notes before we close up? Nah, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) We're done. All right. Favourite or least favourite episode? Go with your least favourite first, Damascus. What was your Mm, least favourite episode? I mean, my least favourite is actually, I guess, episode two. Um, It's when... We see Simpson, but thankfully he dies. So that's a positive note for that one. Oh, man, that made me happy. Um, We had the Mac stuff with Trish, but it's not really doing anything. I don't really see the purpose of it. Um, Jerry bangs some sex workers for 30 minutes and then ruins a very expensive rug, which is pretty <laughs> sweet. I don't know. It's just like a nothing. I mean, I could have chosen a lot of episodes. I don't know. Maybe like the first five episodes I could have picked, but I just went with episode two randomly, even though I know you hate episode seven. I know yours. Episode seven, is it? See above. <laughs> What's your favorite episode of the season, Damask? Mine's the last episode. Yeah. I had, oh, fuck, the performance by Kristen Ritter is so good. I'm glad that we are now in a place where Trish, through like a convoluted mess of events to get her to the point where she is experimented on and therefore becomes Hellcat. So I'm glad that she's Hellcat now. I'm glad Mm. that we get to see that. I'm glad that Malcolm's out of that fucking, you know, he's no longer totally tied to Jess and he's doing his own thing. That's cool. Um, so hopefully he won't be as a bit like Foggy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, as involved. Or Karen. Yep. Next season, I like that we have this huge tension between Trish and Jessica. Like that moment when Jessica jumps down and is like, you know, just run. Had me shook. The moment when she gets back into that little. What would you call that? Little carousel, carousel ca- carriage, yeah, carriage, carriage with her mum and is crying, and the cops there, like fuck, that is good stuff. So it's I've, it's got to be the final episode for me because I'm hoping it will take us into something else. What about you? My favorite episode is episode eleven, uh, aka Three Lives and Counting. Which is the Kilgrave episode, basically. Mm-hmm. And it feels a bit cheap to say, oh, yeah, the best villain from the from the entire Marvel experiment at all has come back and I like that episode the most. But it's it's mainly, honestly, just because of the way, the, the, the craft around this episode. So 
there's a like I started to like this episode and thought it might be a good episode because I was way out at this point with the series, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a scene between Jessica and Alyssa on the phone. I don't even remember it, but I wrote at the time it was really understated. It wasn't because so often these things can feel like people being really emotional and and uh, especially Alyssa can be really em- emotional <laughs> and sort of like uh, dramatic and overstated. And Sorry. it was nice to see them pull back a little bit and just let it play naturally and subtly. And I really like that. Mm. And then the Kilgrave stuff, which isn't subtle when you consider oh, that. Yes. yes. Sorry. The scene with Alyssa and Jessica on the phone yeah. was some of the best acting in Marvel Netflix series yeah. I'd ever seen. Like that scene was fucking great. Yeah, so really good. good. Yep. And then so the Kilgrave stuff isn't subtle. Like the idea of like Kilgrave being in Jess's mind and sort of this element that could resurface when she's being particularly or she's particularly conflicted or whatever mm. is not clever or interesting or and even the way they use him by have but but things that I did like about it, most of the time when he's on screen, there's no soundtrack, which mm. is really eerie for them to just take that element out because you'd think with him there, you could enhance it with some music or, or soundscape, but they don't. They choose to keep it really plain, which makes his presence even more eerie to me because it, it feels so natural. Um, and then also the way that they edit with him. So the way he just sort of appears and reappears or you'll go from a shot where he's right there and then you cut away and he's not there and then you mm. cut to the next one, he is there. and He's in the shower. It's, yeah, it's really, really, really well and very mature and mm. and the way it was done spoke to a confidence and maturity that I had not seen throughout the entire season. And so just from a craft perspective, I was totally engaged with this super obvious and kind of on the nose metaphor or or thing they were going for that of course yeah that he she's still affected by his manipulation or whatever mm. but it was just executed that's the word for it was executed so well that i was fully into it i agree with you on your stuff about the last episode being really good for this series mm. as well for this season but for me that was the highlight Oh, absolutely. I mean, that episode that you're speaking of, like, in particular made me go, I wish they had used this tool throughout the season. I think there is a huge amount of, like, you feel that Kilgrave's not there. You really do. That that amazing. That yeah, there was a Kilgrave vacuum. Totally yeah. was. And I think also while season one dealt a lot with, the PTSD that Jessica was going through because of what Kilgrave did. Somehow because Kilgrave was dead, a lot of the PTSD stuff was no longer there, which mm-hmm. of course it still would be. Yeah. So why wouldn't that play a little bit more into her day-to-day life? I understand the perspective to try and move on from that if you've got another story to tell. But, but they the, didn't have the story to tell. But the story to tell wasn't very good, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to keep watching? I'll keep watching, yeah. Just Jessica Jones? Just Jessica Jones, yeah. Yeah. I, I have no interest in any of the other series I'm, I'm, whatsoever. As I said earlier, I'm I'm done. Yeah. I'm not coming back. I've, I'm doing what I did with Dexter, knowing when it's gone too far mm. and I'm out. Okay. Uh, do you have any predictions, hopes, concerns? Because I could not give a fuck at this stage. <laughs> um, I really hope Jessica ditches this whole... Happy family bullshit with Oscar next season. I'm not down for happy mum 
Jess. I don't think there's any chance that's where they're going to go with this yeah. long term. I mean, I hope not. That's kind of where they went in the comics, but I hope not. Oh, is it? I mean, I, I read somewhere ages ago that Jessica Jones was kind of relegated a lot to mum duty. <gasps> so I'm hoping that's not where they go. I think it was her and Luke Cage's kid. but Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But, but still, that sucks but for the it sucks for Jessica Jones. Yeah. Um, so I'm ho- um, I don't think they will, but uh, when we finish the season with that little moment with the family, well, sweet, made me go, oh, no, 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 no. Mm. That's not why I'm tuning into Jessica Jones. So, yeah. Cool. All right. That's it. It's been a ridiculously long episode and I appreciate you sticking around. But thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. You can email us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. Tweet us at huntingscast. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, where I've basically been ragging on Jessica Jones and sharing <laughs> um, the announcement trailer for making it. Did you see this? No. Making it the uh, Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler reality television show about oh, people being creative. I remember reading about that ages ago. They released yeah. a trailer. I don't think it's coming out for a while yet. Right. It's like the middle of the year, but uh, go and find that on my Twitter feed. Damask, where can people find you? Oh, I've just, oh, you can find me at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O, and I've just been trolling you about Jessica Jones. That's all I've been <laughs> doing. You did a good job of it too. Yeah. Thank you to Sean Kirkpatrick, aka Shawnee Boy Draws, for his logo and design work. Thank you to Jordan Calavis for our theme song, and to Lucas Heil for our, uh, of Birthday Loyalty Club for our bumpers. Find links to their work in the show notes. If you enjoy what we do, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might enjoy listening to it. Um, we also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you prefer next week we'll be back to discuss the wire season three i'm exhausted i'm done it's so late actually it's the wire season four i said three. Oh my god oh. i'm an idiot it is the wire season four we did three last week we will uh we will see you then hopefully in the meantime thank you very much for listening catch you later earbuds melbourne's podcast network EarbudsNetwork.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.